This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott. Hi, I'm Trish. And we're going to talk about, I was going to say the magic goes away, but not correct. The Seascape <laughs> Tattoo by uh, Larry Niven and Stephen Barnes. And the magic continues to go away <laughs> in the ski, Seascape Tattoo. 2016. <laughs> That's true. I didn't realize he had anything, and I say he, by which I mean Larry Niven, had anything. <laughs> Um, recent, but that's actually pretty recent, right? 2016, I believe. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. Is that's recent history, as opposed to I like. I imagine it was more Barnes than Niven, but uh, let's <laughs> talk about that because I, I looked up uh, on LarryNiven.com. Uh-huh. He's got um, two books coming out in 2022. Wow, they're all collaborations, and they've been collaborations for a while. You know, like. It, we- which kind of reminds me of the, the Jerry Pornell, you know. Thing. Yeah. So I, In fact, Jerry Pornell is one of the collaborators. <laughs> wait, wait, but Jerry Pornell has passed away. Yeah. How's that? I know. Yeah, books so, are written uh, in the past, Paul. Burning, burning <laughs> Mountain. <his> notes. <laughs> yeah, Burning Mountain, which is a sequel to The Burning City and Burning Tower, is uh, part of this Magic Goes Away, right? Um, um, yes. And that comes out in 2022, and it's a collaboration with Jerry Pornell. And I, I do want to talk about Burning City, which I have right in context of this book. So Okay. And then The Moon Bowl, uh, B-O-W-L, The Moon Bowl, okay. is a collaboration with Pornell and Michael Flamp. The Moon Bowl. Moon Bowl, and that's also coming out in 2022. So that, That's probably part of the Bowl of Heaven series, which I mm-hmm. didn't, didn't get into very deep, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 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 that series was with uh, Benford, though, so... Who knows? I don't think so. It, it, I might, might, might it's got a bowl in it. <laughs> it's got a bowl in it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the it, boulders. Uh, the boulders. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> the boulders. Uh, uh, that, that is unapproved. That's <laughs> yeah, unapproved. Uh, let's um, let's uh, talk about this book. Uh, so, uh, one thing it has going for it, I'll tell you. I mentioned the book title to a couple people, and they both said exactly the same thing. That's a good title. <laughs> it is, right? It's, it, it is. It doesn't actually have much at all to do with the book. Though. There's a tattoo in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping for lots of high adventure on the high seas with pirates. <laughs> there, what there's some. There's some. There's some adventure on the high seas. Some. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was really expecting much more of a maritime mm. novel. Um, Based on the title and <laughs> the cover? Escape. Sorry? Based on the title and the cover, you expected uh, it to be set at sea. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Which it was not. <laughs> yeah, me too. However... Sold something we did not action. <laughs> however, uh, that all being said... Um, what did y'all think of the book? I, I'll go first. I, I was not fond of it. Not fond. Not fond. Um, I, I think, you know, it's like a homage or a throwback or um, I don't know how you want it to has it. Homage, you know, to o- some homage. Stuff, you know, yeah. uh, to some old sword and sorcery stuff. And yep. I, I, I wished I had was reading that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's just the nice, nicest way for me to put it. I, I had a little trouble getting into it. Um, I, 
I breezed through it, you know, when I, I wasn't enjoying it that much, so I, I breezed through it pretty quickly. But um, I don't know. It didn't bring anything new to the table. Um, I don't know. It, there just wasn't a lot of stuff there. You know what I mean? I do. I don't know if anyone else felt the same way. But that's I want to. Uh, that that was your soft take. Let's hear your hard take. <laughs> <laughs> My hard take is that Larry Niven is is never grown up past twelve years old. <laughs> Yeah, there's some argument there. In some ways, it kind of shows through. I think in in his whole career of writing, there there are always times when I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, you know. Um, And there was a couple of moments in this one that I felt the same way. That's interesting. Um, I want to hear more about that. What did you think, Paul? Um, I was frankly, I'm much in the same camp as Scott. I was sadly underwhelmed. Now, okay. it wasn't as actively, oh, it was actively, oh, let's thro- dump a whole lot of distasteful politics and let's put, like, say, the Burning City, which is also set in this verse. That, but it was like, I don't know, it, was just, it, it felt like a chore to get through. And I wow. tried to get through it as much as I could, fast as I could, so I could be done with it and put it behind me. Hmm. It, yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, I mean, Larry Niven and Stephen Barnes have written many novels together. You can tell that. I do suspect that this was more Barnes than Niven, but there was a lack of. There was a lack of. What's the word I'm looking for? Okay, so a lot of the we've done we've done the magic goes away, and I've read other stories of the warlock and whatnot, and lots of those have neat ideas and explorations of the consequences of magic the diminishing of magic things to do with okay what how does a magic civilization work especially as it's diminishing and here there wasn't really any of that i mean it was set in a decline and fall of the magic empire but there wasn't really anything new here that we didn't except for the time travel taking stuff stealing stuff from the future bit but even then, that felt undercooked. Hmm. Interesting. And so, yeah, we'll talk about more of this later at length. But yeah, so I want to hear Trish's thoughts and mm-hmm. your thoughts. To me, this felt like really competent fan fiction. Definitely competent, um, yeah. Someone who wants mm. to extend the universe of the magic goes away, but lacks the fundamental creativity or something. Uh, not that some fan fiction isn't really super creative, Lord knows. Um, but this this feels like someone who just, you know, wants to extend the universe a little more, but doesn't take any chances with it. Um, it, it, it has all these tensions in it, and then kind of hand waves them into a happy ending for everyone <laughs> that felt kind of like a cheat, and that sometimes happens in fan fiction. You mm-hmm. know, everybody has to have their little happy bit. Yeah, um, noir is the opposite of fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's a good point. It is exactly the problem with a lot of fan fiction is everybody <laughs> wants to have everybody happy because we want more, right? Right. Whereas right. let's so, uh, you kill Captain Kirk in the first scene and you say no, he's dead forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know, it's it, I didn't find it a chore to read at all. Well, I that's good. Through it without any pain at all, you know, it was a, a a little adventure that carried me along. But 
yeah, knowing that that it is, you know, Larry Niven has his name on it. Uh, well, I wasn't expecting that much from the whatever this is, the last in a long series. Um, <laughs> the uh, most recent, not the last. You don't know that it's the end, right? <laughs> All right, the most recent. You know, yeah. so Magic I wasn't hasn't expecting mm-hmm. huge innovations or anything. Um, but uh, uh, it certainly doesn't have. Well, I'll say the magic of the earlier books mm, um, mm. is it's it's there. It's fine, uh, you know, but it's it certainly doesn't want to make me buy any more if any more come out in the series. Well, let me let me uh, point to the opening dedication, which I really appreciate uh, Blackstone having kept in. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they they rip that out for no reason. I'm like. Writers put it in there, you know. It wasn't like they accidentally wrote it. <laughs> like, oop, maybe we don't need this. No, they they left it in there. I think that's really fun because I, I think it sums up sort of a good way of looking at this at this book. To to my copious array of cousins and their descendants. <laughs> Indeed, that's by Larry Niven. But uh, check uh, Stephen Barnes's. Yeah, I have that in front of me. If you want me to read it, please. Uh, to Fritz Leiber and Robert E. Howard. There you go. The dreams you shared were more golden than the treasures your heroes pursued. Now, <laughs> more magical than the sorcerers they slew. <laughs> now, yeah, I really liked that dedication. It's a good dedication, mm-hmm. but but it also tells you how the book was constructed. Okay, <laughs> in my estimation, Larry Niven said, "Hey, cousins, we all inherited a fortune. This book's <laughs> for you." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. I want you to hear. Yeah. So, like, like I said, you know, pastiche or a throwback or a, a homage, some kind of homage, right? Yeah. And, and 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 like you know, I just and that's by like, Barnes, right? Yeah. That part's by Barnes is my assumption. Yeah. Nivens is Nivens' contribution is probably uh, is probably the giving the world over and maybe listening to the plot. Uh, as proposed by Barnes, and maybe there was some writing in there, but yeah, it doesn't feel Niven heavy. Like I don't think he's he's done a ton of work to get this all going. But I've never read a Stephen Barnes on his own, so I don't know that. Um, I did a his long voice. time ago. Yeah. Um, that would be a, oh, I can't remember the name, um, remember the name of the book. His um, first his first writings were with Niven. So he also he he has written alone, but I've never read yeah. anything of his alone. I'm looking up. Uh, it's got here. Yeah, he's written a few. Yes. Strict Lethal. That's the book I read, and also and also Lion's Blood and um, what's it called? Zulu Heart. I read, which are alternate yeah. histories. And what? And what, what is, Blood a lot more I like those Heart. a lot. I've read Lion's Blood and <laughs> Zulu yeah. Heart also, and those were good, interesting books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. they, they, they're kind of like they're alternate histories for the listeners who don't know and don't want to Google. Where basically the, the Black Southern, Plague killed a lot of Europe, a lot more well, of and, Europe and, and, than it and did. And also the Southern Mediterranean, Carthage, and Egypt, and whatnot became the center of power instead of Rome, and so right Africa and the Middle East instead of Europe became the dominant power, and so slaves and stuff come from Europe, and so it was the Africans who conquered America, and so you have white slaves. They go raiding in Ireland instead of Africa for slaves, that sort of thing. Cool. 
That sounds and, all and right. It, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, it makes it, it makes sense. It's cohesive. It's got good characters. And it had interesting ideas. Yeah, that sounds yes. interesting. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, but how is the writing? How is the writing? Because I, I, if if you told me this book was written by Stephen Barnes, I'd say this is a very smooth, competently written book. Like I understood um, what was going on, which you know I read Greg Bear and I thought, so what uh, you have a really interesting idea here. I have no idea who's talking. I don't know what's going on, but that idea you you just mentioned a minute ago really interesting, but. Here we've got super smooth writing, right? It's it's not as the smoothest. It's not like reading Donald Westlake or Lawrence Block, but it's it's smooth and easy reading. Um, so is is that uh, a Barnes thing? Um, Lion's Blood. It's been like twenty years since I've read it, but I rem- you know it was it was a good book. It wasn't something where I ooh I love the language in this. It was just you know good plotting, good good characterization. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it, but it but no no uh, difficulties going down is what you're saying. Oh yeah, you know, definitely no difficulties going down. All right, so that 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 is supportive of the the thesis. Um, that's interesting. So yeah, um, everybody basically negative take on this book. No, uh, yeah. In I, comparison, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I I I, I mean. It's it suffer it suffers. I mean, the whole fanfic idea is a, is a good way of putting it. It suffers. It suffers the lack of the Niven exploring the ramifications of an idea like he likes to do. Not only in science fiction, but also in in this magic goes away verse. It just doesn't. It doesn't uh, yeah. follow through with that. I mean, we had this idea of we're stealing stuff from the future and putting it into the past, but it doesn't really. It doesn't really go through all the all the implications that it doesn't follow the second, third order implications of what does that mean for anything. It's just like, oh, cool, we have to... This fantasy is not hard enough. And because it wasn't really explored, it felt unnecessary. Mm. You know, it it just felt dropped in. Yeah, well, what what I was kind of expecting is it would be like, "Uh uh-oh, you're going to have to read the sequel to find out what happened. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. What what about up to the point where I, they actually arrive in Shrike? I was I was gonna before you do that. Uh, what is there anything here besides stuff happening? In your opinion, you asking asking me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, that that's the Scott rule. <laughs> Niven's got no, a bunch a, of rules. That's a Jesse rule. <laughs> uh, well, yes, but you, you, you've, you've Jesse codified it. I, I have, I have co-opted it. It's like, you know, when I, um, th- this is what Jesse has done to me, right? <laughs> when I, when I read like, show all your discards, like the Game of Thrones, I'm reading the George R. R. Martin series, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it, when it hits a, a point at which there's nothing now, but stuff happening, I can't read it anymore. Yeah. And it's Jesse's fault. It, Sorry it, about that. That happened like in a, in a feast for crows, I think. And, and now, um, everything it has, what I read has to have more than just events happening. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just that way. But, uh, yeah. So, so that's my question for Jesse. I think, is, I think that you have successfully pointed at something. Yes. So I didn't find this book bad, but I, I didn't find it great. Um, what that's I th- pretty much where I'm at. Too. Oh, and and uh, is it a stuff happening book? 
It is. However, it's set in a in a place where the stuff happening is relatively novel, right? So I don't read. I haven't read all the Magic Goes Away books, right? There's a lot of them. Um, I haven't read all of them, but there's a lot. There's a lot of them. It's more than a handful. Are there a lot of them? I didn't. Even yeah, know. there are. There's a bunch of stories and a, a couple of books. But there's well, the, but they all tie in sort of together. Like there's different series, sub series. That, that first book was interesting. Yeah, and it's yeah, a right. fix and, up. And that was yeah, that was after a bunch of the Magic Goes Away stories with the Warlock. Mm-hmm. So and then after that was followed by the Burning City, the Burning Tower. Uh, and, and, it go, it, here's the complete list. Not long before the end. That's 1969. That's the original story, right? And then, yeah, it, what, and then we get uh, the Warlock series going until uh, 80, right? And then we get the sequel, Magic May Return, which is a compilation of past stuff. And then we get Talisman, which is a short story. Um, Lion is uh, the Lion in His Attic, another short story. The Wishing Game, which is another Warlock. Um, Portrait of Diary, the King, uh, which is 89. Then we get the Burning City. Now that starts a new series, which is the Golden Road, which Paul's talking about the Burning Tower. That's part of that. And, mm-hmm. and then Burning Mountain, right? So this is, and then there's like individual stories here and there. But the Seascape Tattoo is not part of any of the series. It's just in the setting. Oh, no. Right? Yes. Right. So, it, 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 I don't even think there's like, a shout-out to Warlock or anything. I, I'm not even sure that this is set set in the past or in the f- I, present or I, in the future I, I, of this I world. When this is, I, from, from clues and having read all the others, I can uh-huh. figure out when this, when this takes place. When does it take this, place? Th- this takes place, this is the, this is the, as in, this is the latest in the series, as in the closest to our own timeline. All right. Because Magic is diminished, and right, chronologically, and the and if you remember from the magic goes away, and you also it's mentioned in the burning tower and stuff. The major source of mana is killing humans, human sacrifice. Remember, because the magic magic mm-hmm. is so low otherwise mm-hmm. that the only real source of mana to do anything is necromancy, basically. Right, and we get that here. So this is really set at the telltale end of the magic. I mean, things haven't collapsed yet. Don't get. I, I wanted to know. Did Atlantis sink yet? I probably did, but we don't get a mention of that. But oh, we Atlantis have, sank before the magic goes away. Right. So no, they, they don't even mention it at this point. It's so so far in the past. Mm-hmm. So, mm. I mean, I mean, we, we yeah. Have, I'm not so have, confident just based on what you said that that we can know that. Like the magic here seems slightly inconsistent uh, as to you know how powerful it is. Um, well, we get a little because there are pockets of mana. Yeah, tokens. Yeah, and, and, and we saw pockets in the magic goes away, so that's that's not. Yeah, but it's much that's much being more explicitly explored, right? Whereas here, well, that, it's just the, the setting. The thing we don't get here. Yeah, so and that. that's yeah, that's why I think it's more Barnes and Niven. Um, but right, I mean, but yeah. like uh, one of the things I was thinking. Um, is that oh the sea and it's in here right? We get a, the sea is not a place where there's a lot of magic users like in the middle of the ocean. There should be a lot of mana there, assuming that it's not in rocks and it's also an ocean, right? Um, or if it's like one of this is why Scott, I think that this book is more interesting than like 
some random fantasy to set your story world in is because of that background i i kept thinking you know if you if you treat magic as a science which this world is supposed to be you know that's how it's treated um then i keep thinking about phlogiston theory and other theories of bad science theories that would be true if magic and mana were real. So is it in rocks or is it in the oh, space? Is I it in the, okay, is okay, it in the so, material or is it in the position? Right? So the I ocean. Don't, I don't know this, if this is canonical or not. So there, so some, somewhere in the eighties, Nibbin got a bunch of writers to write a bunch of more modern magic goes away stories. Mm-hmm. And Roger Zelazny was one of them. And he wrote a story where he posited that meteorite bombardment was increasing the level of mana in the world. Of course, so, that makes sense right. because the magic sword, right, is right. is usually a meteor meteoric meteorite. sword, right? And 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 basically, and basically, so so that would suggest that it's material that that's right mana. That's so right. That, I remember that, that story, uh, Paul. That was a really good one. Right. That was a really good one. I like that so, story a lot. So, what about the ocean? If if it's if it's material, the problem with the ocean is that it's always being cycled out, right? We've got the water well, cycle. Unless, like, like, maybe continental shelves might have higher... Indeed, but how far away from that are you in the middle of the ocean? Well, if well, you're in the shallows or you're on some island, right? Yeah. So now that's where I was kind of expecting to see some some more interesting things. So part of part of what makes a book good is how much like to, to me is how much I get to participate in the book rather mm-hmm. like so some writers are really bad uh at telling stories and they do things <laughs> I I tried to teach my students not to write this way basically filling in all the details of like how things happen he lifted his right leg and moved it forward a few inches <laughs> then he set it down and lifted his left leg and moved it forward a few inches thus he crossed the room <laughs> repeating that six times right um that is a very bad way to write now the thing is is you do need to fill in those details but just enough to let the imagination get going right so part of my uh, reading of this book was me participating in the world and thinking about what the characters were sp- saying, specifically the wizard, right? And I was thinking, ooh, well, maybe that... And so I, I didn't really have a letdown at any point, but I sort of realized, aha, this is more of a... This is more of a stuff happens book, right? So if I were to pick up uh, the Seascape, ta- Seascape Tattoo 2... Um, I would probably not pick it up because I would say, "Uh uh-huh, we're just going to get more of this. So it was nice to revisit a world or a setting that was familiar uh, in that I I like the idea of the premise. But yeah, it's not like a book where I got to recommend it to everybody and everybody's going to love it. It's such a great idea. It's full of ideas. It's not that. Um, however, there were things I appreciated about it. One was that it was easy going smooth. It's relatively short. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I kind of liked the, the character jokes, the connections between, uh, one, one of the things I liked Paul was 
worried about was all the cringy elements, right? The, the Larry Nivenisms that, ooh, that makes me feel awkward. Or, or you know, like the things that yeah. will, will get you canceled if you... Well, that's, you, it's like, um, you know, the, the older I get and the more Niven that I've read, uh, I realize that there's, you know, he wrote that thing, uh, Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's 12-year-old Niven. Yeah, that's that's good way of putting it. Well, it's it's about Superman. It it, it rises to the top sometimes. So I think you have like Neutron Star Niven, who uh, is the the writer that I find interesting. Mm. But the the Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex Niven is, you know, the one. I mean, there was a scene in here where, you know, uh, two people didn't really trust each other. And um, he said, well, what if there was a way? wink wink you know uh, for us to trust each other you know and um you know sex was the 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 way so mm-hmm. that that's an eye-rolling moment to me <laughs> just you know <laughs> well to me that's 12 year old Niven. you know if niven is president here it, yeah i could imagine them on the phone and niven saying uh hey what if <laughs> this is how they get, trust each other, you know, uh, but I don't know for sure. I but, doubt but that actually. I, I doubt that I, call I actually happened, but I I do yeah. sense the. I, I thought they were pretty tame. Pretty tame. Well, yeah, I agreed. I mean, it is pretty tame, but that's that's just what I meant by twelve yeah. year old Niven. It it appears, you know, in just various times throughout his novels. There's there's these moments, and you can call them cringy moments. You know, um, I find him cringy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for example, the princess does try to rescue herself. It fails miserably, but at least she tried, which is more than what a lot of Nibbin would have gone with. So that maybe that was a barn thing, but like, no, I, I was hoping for almost like an ever after. You've seen the movie mm, thing, no. thing, thing where the main character basically rescues herself just as the prince comes up to rescue her. So like, right. <laughs> I was hoping for that, but we didn't get that. <laughs> well, you that signed up. Bad. You signed up for the wrong book, I think. <laughs> I, yeah, yes, at least it wasn't. It wasn't cringy like she does. I, I, in the ones, the, the ones the that I, I acknowledge as as being a little bit Niven like, but I think they're much more tame than most Niven. Is like when the barmaid comes up and she's got a. Uh, pivot waist or something like that, right? Flexible. He likes his women flexible or like they were always like, um, is like pliable, uh, flexible. Uh, at, least, at least the nimble thing goes sprung like in Heinlein. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, thank God. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the thing. It's pretty few and far between this book compared to what I thought was really interesting was the, the relationship between the hero, Eros, um, who I kept thinking was spelled Eros, E-R-O-S, which yeah, is different, right? right? But the spelling is A-R-O-S. A-R-O-S, right. Um, and, and his pseudo-mom. And his pseudo-dad. And I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and I, I wanted more of that, and they kind of cut there's a that lot of that at the knees. It's like there's a lot getting, of that, Paul. He's getting accepted and adopted by, the, by this general and his wife. Who aren't quite sure that he maybe maybe he's our son, maybe he isn't, but we like him anyway. He's a good guy, and they chopped that up so decisively. It's like, 
I don't know. I don't know, but I don't. I don't know that they did chop it off. They, it, I, I think they did. Well, uh, I mean, somebody had to die, Jeff. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, somebody yeah, important yes, but, had but, to but, die. But, 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 yeah, I know, but it, but it also feels like because because even at the end where where Eris is saying he's going back to, back to uh, back to the kingdom to find, but he's going back to to find the find the woman. It's like. He kind of transferred in a very abrupt way from the parents to the the woman that he was that the dead kid was actually engaged to, and I didn't feel that switch actually really was pulled off as well. As Here's uh, I I'm not sure I agree with that, and the reason I I'm interested in this is one of the things that I was kind of surprised about. And I thought was kind of cool. Um, y'all remember? I don't I don't think Scott was on this one. I think Trish, you were. I think Paul, you are. We did a pretty bad Andre Norton novel, um, yes. and I'm trying to remember the title. But basically, it was a a, a kid gets kidnapped and brainwashed, um, and he's he's going to be used to trick some people into thinking that he is their long lost yes. son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's on the that, fake on that hair planet. story. Yeah. The fake I hair. Paul was on that too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Paul was on that. <laughs> um, what was the name of that? Do you remember? I'm looking it up. All right. So basically, I, I I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. This is an old trope. It's one mm-hmm. I haven't seen in a while, except for that Andre Norton thing, and it's done way better. Like that Andre Norton book oh. has got some serious <laughs> problems, <laughs> serious problems far, in it far, being far. sort of too rushed and a bunch of stuff. That Star Hunter is the Star part. Hunter. That's right. Yeah, mm. yeah you're right. So. Yeah, we, we, so I was yeah, thinking about a lot about how how well this book does with the same plot, um, mm-hmm. and the relationship between the wizard and Eros is, I think, a very well done relationship. It's it's uh, it's surprising. Um, I think that, you know how good their the tension between them is. Now I agree there is this thing where it all ends up cozy in the end, and you know you're saying somebody had to die, Paul. Trash, you're saying that, but uh, not in this case, right? It, they... I was I, what, what I was expecting for the wizard mm-hmm. was when when the Merfolk take him down. I was thinking like the end of the movie Dagon that they were going to take him down and live, have him live under the sea for the rest of his life, not mm-hmm. give him youth and bring him back to the surface. It's like, yeah, wait, what? That know, was that was one of the things that was just made too easy and too nice with the bow on it. No. Yeah, <laughs> But that was what yeah. he was. That was what he was aiming for, right? So it, it fits his arc, and that's all. Sorry, go for it. No, it it does fit his his arc, but it felt way too easy and convenient. Um, uh, it's set up. It is set up. It's it's set up at the beginning, though, right? They go down. They go down to the beach and they talk to the 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 sea peoples. And he has a relationship with them right from the beginning, so it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. I agree. It's it seems a little. Um, it's like basically the end of Star Wars, right? Everybody gets a, a medal. <laughs> Except you got Except Chewie, right? <laughs> yeah, but he gets he gets he gets to roar. He says, "Hey, where's mine?" That's a translation of what Chewie says at the end there. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the robots, they don't deserve anything except a nice polish, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I was not, I didn't have any problems with, with that sort of stuff. 
But I I was really intrigued by the relationship between Eros and his mom. And, well, I'm calling them Jade. Yeah, Jade. I'm Jade calling her. Solid. I'm calling her his mom, even though she's not his mother figure, at least. Yeah. yeah. But um, he doubts at one point whether he his story is is real, right? He has a story. He's an Azteca, right? He has this, uh, his own life story. He's got these tattoos on his body. And there's a really nice line somewhere when he has his tattoos removed and his scars. He says, who am I without my scars? I'm like, that's a really good line. Because it's not just about the physical scars on your body. Who are you without your trauma? Who are you without your experience? And the answer is nobody, right? And that's the horror of, you know, dementia and uh, Alzheimer's and stuff like that, right? Is you become not a, not the person you were anymore. And that's the, the horror of it, right? For your family and for you looking at it as a, a future, that's a horror. So if he is, has his scars removed, his body is renewed and made young, that's not the same thing as having his memories taken away. But in practicing for his role, he treats these people as his parents, right? He treats them as somebody... He treats them not the way the wizard wants him to treat them, but he becomes his role. And at, Right. Instead at, of just tricking them, he is forging connections with them. And that uh, those connections are oh, potentially real. Mm-hmm. Right? As opposed to the fake grift that they're actually going for, which is all in an effort to save the princess, right? Um, and get the reward and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as we get into the, uh, the port, um, we start seeing bicycles. They're not described as bicycles, right? A cannon and a pistols. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So this book has a lot going for it. I think the, the characterization is is well well done, um, and because it's got that setting, like I'd much rather have a, a TV show set in a Larry Niven fantasy world than basically any other fantasy world, because the implications and the potentials are much greater than they are with some rando <laughs> fantasy world. Like I'm not really looking forward to the new Lord of the Rings series that is not really Lord of the Rings. It's just set in Middle Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because I don't have any confidence that they understand what the point of what what you know Tolkien's not involved, right? So even if you say, "Oh, well, the estate is the caretaker," I say, "Fuck off," right? The estate is not the caretaker. Even if even if it's his son doing it, I I have no confidence that the estate knows what they're doing. However, in setting up a a world, the hard fantasy world, and saying these are the rules, this is the premise. All sorts of things can happen. And so I don't see this, uh, this, uh, what I assume is a Stephen Barnes plot idea, um, to have, uh, caves and the city gonna take over the world by bringing in, you know, by, I don't, by I don't, bringing in modern technology and depleting the local <clears throat> magic so that the only thing, the only powerful force in the world is this Tanks. high technology they imported. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's, that's what I understand is how the plot. I think works. it's a good. I think it's a good plot idea. I don't feel like uh, it was executed in a very hard 
way. Uh, so I agree with that. But the thing is, is that potential is interesting. And so, yeah, even though it's not a, you know, utterly transformative work that's going to make me think forever about different stuff, I'm like, this is pretty interesting. And also, I really kind of enjoyed all the, like, oh, this is that <laughs> sort of thing. So uh, our hero, Eros, is he's, he's the Conan figure, right? This is, yeah. uh, you know, there's not a lot of Robert E. Howard uh, Conan novels, right? Um, they don't really, he works really well as a short piece character. There mm-hmm. is Hour of the Dragon, there's Scarlet Citadel's pretty long, I think. But there's nothing that's like as long as this. Nothing. By Robert E. Howard. There's lots of Conan novels that are not by Robert E. Howard, and <laughs> all the ones I've read are really fucking terrible. They don't understand the character at all. And, have you read uh, Fritz Leiber, um, Bafford in the Grey Mouse? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. and and that is uh, that's got there's that in here too, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's like the uh, the the Conan figure and the wizard. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're a con man team, right? And they're ex- they're experiencing they're the world. Team and Fafford's the fighter, and and the Grey Mouse has a little He's bit of magic. Too. Yeah, right. he, magic, he's the he a wizard trainee, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he's a yeah. Phil right. trainee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but he knows he knows some of the tricks, and he knows how. To, it's probably good that he failed because you know you end up all scarred up or whatever if you're a mm-hmm. wizard. But uh, so yeah, that's fun too, and that's in there. But the thing is, is I don't, I'm not as wholly versed in the Fritz Leiber entire Fafford and Great Mauser series, and there's a lot of those stories. Whereas I'm pretty familiar with Robert E. Howard, so I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, mm, that doesn't quite work. Um, but as an analogs to things that are happening in the story, there's some fun stuff there. So, um, I wanted to point you, uh, you guys all recognize some Robert E. Howard names and stuff in here. Like what? No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, why don't you eliminate those? So the, 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 very little Robert E. Howard. Okay. So the bad lady slash man wizard, uh, thing. Um, that we see that is both male and female and also female. <laughs> Belot, which sounds a lot like Belite. Indeed. Is, uh, right? Pirate yeah. Lady Love. Yeah, especially with the way the narrator Queen pronounced the it. Coast. <laughs> right. Um, she, she is, um, she's, she's, I'm talking about Belite, the character, uh, by Howard. She's mm-hmm. interesting, but we only sort of see her through Conan's eyes. Whereas here, yes. it's a little uh, independent of that. And um, there, there was a couple of things that made me think that that was an homage. One of the first things we hear about the city of Shrike is that there's a river there that has bad stuff coming out of it. Right? That's according to the sea peoples, the merfolk, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the... Uh, the uh, octop- octopeople, <laughs> who I, I really like that uh, octopus was showing a face on its body because it wanted to communicate with that person when it climbs over the side of the ship. You guys remember that part? Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really like a cool idea because octopuses can do that. They don't ever put faces on it, but um, they 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 have that capability right to blend blend their body into making pictures. Um, they don't generally make pictures of things like skulls and <laughs> faces, and, but they do do of like uh, the ground that they're covering and that sort of thing. Anyway, so that was fun. 
Um, the uh, the character names are part of it, but one of the things is they said the river is got bad stuff coming out of it. Now, first thing I thought of. Oh, it's, maybe it's like effluent, like from a factory or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Right. But in the contamination ro- from the technology. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's like coal tar or something, you know. Just mm-hmm. and there, and of course, is that a deliberate plan to kill the the magic in the sea? Maybe. Mm. Right. I don't know. Or we, just happy, uh, happy side of. Or yeah, just an externality <laughs> from you know capitalism or whatever. So um, the thing is, is that's in Robert E. Howard's Queen of the Black Coast too. The poisoned river that they go up, um, that, you know, oh, yeah. Conan I says, don't, don't go up that river. Uh, poison sounds bad. And Bellet's like, there's treasure up there. We're going. So they go up that river and they find out, you know, what happens. So the, that was fun. But, um, the one that delighted me the most was, um, the boxing match, uh, sailor, um, the first mate. You guys remember his name? What was his name? Dorigan. He was the he was the he was the guy that um, Eros had he's, to fight. Turns out to be the nephew of the captain. Right. Um, but he had also betrayed the captain. Right, and yeah. and he's kind of dumb. Um, yes. And he, he's you know asked for a rematch later on. That's a Robert E. Howard character. Um, his name is Dennis Dorigan. Um, and he's one of many, many characters Howard made that is, uh, a boxer, boxing mm-hmm. sailors, right? And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And I felt like there was one of those around every corner. Turns out there wasn't one around every corner. But as, uh, as I'm being presented with these possibilities, I'm like, this is pretty interesting. This is pretty fun. Is that the right word? Maybe it's fun. <laughs> I did um, wonder briefly if uh, the Red Nun, China, was mm. any kind of reference to the Red Priestess, um, Melisande, mm. in uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? Uh, I, I yeah, wondered about that, that too. a very strange word to use for this 12,000 years ago. Right. It, it gave me very... It actually weirdly made me think of the role-playing game exalted because there's an infernal who's dressed up like a nun for no good reason except you know <laughs> exalted it's and, a and costume it's like it's this weird out weird out of place things like why it's something it's that? something you do on halloween uh mm-hmm. scott you don't you don't actually talk with nuns nuns just are halloween <laughs> costumes okay uh, except for scott scott talks to nuns every day all the time daily yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i got a rolodex full of nuns here <laughs> binders full of them. Binders full of them. <laughs> wow, that, that's a slightly different story. Uh, don't tell Romney. <laughs> so, sorry. So uh, those are the things that made me like this book. I didn't actually come away from it saying that was a complete waste of time, which, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, is a kind of a worry. Sure, and and I would have, and I, well, I did. I missed all those kinds of references. I, I haven't read much Robert E. Howard. I saw this superficial similarity to um, Fafford and the Gray Mauser, mm-hmm. which I've read not a ton of. I've read the first volume and loved it, um, and I've got the next couple on my shelf ready to be read. But um, but I still haven't read much Conan, just a little bit. Well, you know, don't, you don't read them back to back, right? That's mm-hmm. not the way you should read them. You should, 
But it, it's it, the the thing about Conan is it is really about philosophy. It doesn't feel like it is because that's hmm. not what he talks about. But it, it, we we did a show on um, Cull on uh, reading short and deep, and that is like it's like that's all it is really. Right? There's almost no action. He, there's a sword in there, but he doesn't you know chop anybody's head. It's just it's all about like. How do I exist? Is this solipsism? That sort of thing. And in the case of Conan, it's like, there are forces out there in the world that want you to obey. Do what we say. Don't think about what we said in the past. Do what we say now. How are you going to deal with that? Robert E. Howard's Conan is like, fuck you. I got a sword. My arm is strong. Chop your fucking head off. That's my solution to your problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it's like th- well th- that that's a good way and you know mm-hmm. it, it, think, thinking about like what happens at the end of every uh, Conan episode is he rides off into the sunset right until he becomes a king and then he's he, not happy uh, well, but see that's a that's kind of a that's kind of a retrofit because it started with a king story That that's the first story but all of the subsequent ones um, in, in his chronology, he's a king later on, but that's sort of right. the anomaly. Whereas the, all the other ones are like he goes into a situation and he changes it up, right? He goes into a wizard's house and there's a monkey in there killing people, <laughs> right? And he's saying, "Well, monkeys shouldn't get too uppity, <laughs> chop." <laughs> or like there's a there's some scam between two kingdoms. Uh, one's trying to invade the other and trick it, trick it, and he gets in there and finds a way to escape slash get a bag of gold and run off and the and the, the point Usually, is though, n- he comes out of it with nothing that's the, the and that trish is my point is he doesn't change and his, his it's anti dungeons and dragons at the end of the at the end of the traditional dungeons and dragons you get a box of treasure right and then you get some experience points and you you hand out and then you get upgraded right you get a better plus two sword and you can have some armor that's bulletproof or whatever that's oh, not what Conan... Conan doesn't have a magic sword, right? You haven't played much D&D, have you? Oh, I have. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but think about, think about like, there's a game right now, still going, Conan Online Hyborian Adventures, right? And the way they sell it is the way they sell all of these, you know, World of Warcraft-style games. It's the things... Right? You get new armor, new mount, new sword, new... Right? And Conan doesn't care what sword he has. He doesn't care whether, you know, he gets more treasure or if the jewels are pretty. That's just sort of set dressing. The whole point was the exercise of of philosophy, of showing how to be. And so that is really interesting. That's the reason to read Robert E. Howard. We don't really have that fully here, but Eros does go on a kind of, like, I don't like analyzing books that way, and I don't think books should be analyzed that way. But if you're doing a novel, this has, he has a hero's arc, right? He changes, becomes different, <laughs> right? Has a right. crisis of, yeah, some, some bullshit like that, right? But he actually does. He doesn't well, even at the beginning of the story he's kind of wistfully wishing he could have a home and then at the end of the story he thinks he's found a home right. possibly. Right. Indeed. And and uh, the other thing that's interesting is Conan is completely unreal. 
If you tried to live, and I see some people on Twitter <laughs> doing it that way, right? They're, they, if you try to live like Conan, it's fundamentally misunderstanding, uh, you know, reality because we must live in communities. That is how humans exist. Unless you're Grizzly Adams. Uh, well, he had a bear, at least. <laughs> True. <laughs> you must live in some sort of community. Otherwise, you will not last long. So, Conan's not, he's like an exemplar of sort of a way of being, but it's not completely real. You couldn't really live that way. What, what we have here is Conan, he starts off as a tax collector. That is not something Conan would ever do. Yeah, no, but, never. But, and, right? That feels like you, you Thief, all the Reaver, Slayer, Tax Collector, to, uh, not a thing. <laughs> no, 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 but, but that, that's kind of a, I shouldn't say homage, that's kind of a reference to the Burning City. Because in the Burning City, there's a whole bit about tax collectors and taxes and how they're terrible and how they're oppressing this the titular that might be city. the Larry Nevin part. <laughs> What's that? That might be that, the Larry that, Nevin part. That was the Jerry Cornell part. Well, so, yeah, but so, so, so they, I they kind of agreed on that sort of stuff. We're referencing, we're referencing the Burning City here. So I took that away. It's like, oh, that's why you're making him a tax collector. It's not even tax collector. Because they talk about, oh, you have to get so much and everything else is extra. It's not tax collecting. That's, that's how it was done in the Roman Empire. Right, yeah, it's, it's very traditional tax collecting. So you go, you're, you're given a a mandate to go collect taxes. You have to hit a certain mark. Anything above that is yours. Right, that's tax. That's called tax farming. Yes. Right. Well, it's, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. It's, it's just a, it's, it's, the agents it's are. This, it's, not, it's not the same thing. Tax collecting suggests like from the state you must get this much, whereas tax farming is the state you bu- you buy from the state this franchise like. 100 gold pieces in, so you're right. going to collect it from the peasants, and any more is is for you, so you're obviously going to squeeze the peasants more than the state would have in the first place. Well, so I a, mean... It's it, a very different sort of tax system. It's not the right. current tax system. However, you know, this is done in time of uh, 1100 in, in the UK as well. It's the traditional way of tax collection. It's not... Uh, and w- what's interesting about it is that it is a form of corruption... That's not very corrupt because it's all out in public, right? It's just how things are done. Uh, so what, what to me was so interesting about that is if this is our Conan figure, that's kind of realistic. The problem is you can't really be a Conan and be a tax collector because he is against civilization. He is against top-down people telling things, telling people how to be, right? And that's why that sort of the Conan, Conan as king is quite anomalous to understanding how the Conan stories work. I mean, there there is a whole you know branch of Conan fan fiction that is about Conan as king, and I don't think it works very well. Well, in in the first Conan story um, where he's king, uh, Hour of the he, Dragon, he's he's still in that situation where he is uh, uh, against a form of civilization yes. in that he's the king protecting the peasants from the nobles. So the nobles are the civilization slash bureaucracy that that are opposed to him and that he is opposed to in that story. Um, 
because they're the ones that are doing most of He's the... He's the Eisenhower person. slash JFK figure, right? Mm, or, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> or, you know, FDR figure, right? He's... He's um or Julius Caesar is another way of going. Yes. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm for the people, not for, not not for the military. unless right. unless dead right. Julius right. Caesar. Yes. <laughs> unless dead Julius Caesar, um, <laughs> or JFK. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yes, this reminds me. I I just started watching this TV show on Netflix. It's a limited series narrated by Peter Dinklage of Game of Thrones called Tyrants. Let's talk about how tyrants rise to power and what the playbook is. And so the first ep- I've only watched two episodes. The first episode, basically, like, how do they rise to power? And they used, mainly used Adolf Hitler as a model, although they mentioned other, other uh, figures throughout history. And they mentioned, of course, and then the second episode was on Saddam Hussein, about, like, how do you keep your power from your mm-hmm. rivals? And they mentioned Julius Caesar as the case of a failure that like he missed right. the he missed the lesson because he got assassinated only two years after becoming dictator. But Saddam Hussein was much more successful in ruthlessly killing anybody who <laughs> uh, until, Caesar missed until he wasn't that memo. Right. Well, that's, that's that's fascinating. Where's, where's that Julius's mistakes? Yes. It's a Netflix right. series, Paul said. Netflix, okay. Netflix series, yes. Yeah. Is it called I Tyrants? Rest, so I, I haven't seen the rest, so I don't know if it's any the rest what's, is any good by the title? Um, tyrants. There we go. So, um, I appreciated all that philosophy stuff, whether he, like, at at one point I was really excited in this book that maybe there was the, the, there was the possibility that he really was their son. Right? Like, it's like a double, uh, trick. So that he doesn't... several lost heirs fake air stories uh-huh. where it turns out that the guy who is faking actually is distantly yeah. related a yeah. cousin or something like that and I was kind of expecting yeah. this to go yeah. there almost like Prisoner of Zenda yeah it's very yeah. much a Zenda situation that. Right? that could have been interesting had they actually gone for that And uh, so yeah I think that that's where this book you know sort of stumbles is that it there, there are some possibilities that are amazing and and that just thinking about those I was participating in it, and I didn't feel like, oh, that's a cop-out. I just feel like, uh, it's another way to go, not so good. Well, I kind of liked how they hinted at it and then veered away to more of a found family story. Which I'm, I, I agree I with. I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I, I agree that uh, just the hint was enough. and the, But the thing is, is we're seeing it from Eros's mind point of view. Um, he's, uh, and, and then we've got the external narrator, who sometimes hints that in the you know the way he's framing it it's he's not going under the name eros right so when eros feels this versus what what's his uh fake name kasha kasha right which i think also is a reference to something but i'm not pulling it up um but i don't think it's a howard reference anyways um i i felt like oh this is actually quite interesting and all, so all the plot stuff, uh, especially at the end, not so great. I thought the battle sequences, especially the one with the, um, the mites or whatever was pretty good, at least in the setup, not the mites, well, the grubs, the white things in the dark. What are they called? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought, I thought the, the, um, 
the politics of the city were pretty interesting. Um, not so sh- oh. not so confident in the kids not being on the street. I thought that didn't pay off well enough. But you know, I, I, mean, I think a little more could have been done with the box. I mean, we have this um, decrepit king, and we have we have the uh, the general and his wife basically trying to run the country for themselves and having opposition to that. I think that. I mean, we have a very outsider perspective from that. I mean, I would well, like, like, I would like a I, little more. I liked that it turned out that the king, who had been more of a puppet king, it turned out that he knew what was going on. He just was continuing to play dumb because he didn't see how he could get his way, you mm-hmm. know, get his power yeah, back. Yeah, he, he was playing Gago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I liked how that worked out for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, the, the, there was, like, other than, you know, the occasional barmaid uh, with the pivoting hips, um, <laughs> every character sort of has something going. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. honestly, it's pretty good. I didn't think it was, like, I, I, I was kind of impressed because it, for what it is, which is basically just a fantasy with a plot, I was like, I like that more than I normally do. If you it's don't expect too much from this book, you know, it's a it's a perfectly fine, entertaining afternoon's read. I Just, felt, uh, you, know. you know, like, yeah, entertaining's not quite enough, because when I watch a, a, you know, one of those action movies starring The Rock or something, right, like, I don't feel like I'm intellectually engaged ever. It's all just, you know, oh, there's a... Jesse person reaching from a helicopter to save his kid who's falling off a building is like, um, if it's well done, it can be okay, right? It yeah, passed the time. enough here to be engaging, even if it isn't, it feels like, you know, an appetizer instead of a full meal. It's not a classic for the ages, I will give you that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no Definitely no. not. Cannot be. But other yeah, than that, they, I, there I, are some good. things where you know they they went a little farther than they might have. Like you mentioned before, I really liked the complexity of the relationship mm. between uh, Neoloth the sorcerer and and Eros. Um, yeah, they have a history and a backstory. Uh, that's all good stuff. I was I was assuming I was assuming that some of this is like oh shit, I, the book four in a series. Maybe these characters showed up earlier, right? I'm I'm like maybe they didn't. Uh, by the end of finish, finishing the book, I'm like, mm, I think these this all works on its own. No, like, no it's, it's 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 the, the their backstory is sketched and like they yes. had this history and that they've tangled before, and so. But yeah, these are all new characters. Of a sketch that you can let your mind explore, but there, you know, it's not filled in every detail like like it feels closed off to you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really nice balance there. In, in a way, kind of reminds me of um, not long before the end. In a way, mm-hmm. because that starts with a magic user and a and a, and a swordsman who have to team up. Yeah. Oh no, it's end. definitely that. What's that? It's definitely that, Paul. You. It, it, I mean, that's that's so, so again that whole homage thing. Like I'm playing fanfic in my in my universe again, but we'll have. Um, "Quote unquote modern day, as in lesser day sorcerer." If you were gonna make, just, if you're gonna make a TV show, do this book. Don't do "Magic Goes Away." "Magic Goes Away" yeah, is an idea it, book. It, this is I, a much I, I, more graphic and cinematic thing. Yeah, 
I, I would agree with that. I mean, or you know, like flying arrows around is a you could do show. you could do uh, Magic Goes Away as an art <laughs> film, but you couldn't do this book as an art film. Um, you could make it beautiful. You, you know, there's a, a, so many TV series now that's impossible to keep up with. They, they had a steampunk one just start up, and I'm like, oh, you talking about Shadow and Bone? Yeah, not, maybe that's. Not, it, I think it, it was Carnival it, Row or something. I don't know. Some, I don't know. There's something like um, uh, Amazon Prime series with like fairies and steampunk. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I think Carnival is in the name. Maybe. Uh, whatever, whatever it is. I haven't heard of that one. Carnival Row? I don't know. That's probably, I don't know. In any case, whatever it's called, they have the technology now. What they don't have is good ideas. And th- if you're going to steal good fantasy ideas... Go right um, to the source. Steal yeah, from... Like, like I've lamented before, Jesse, Hollywood doesn't want you to take chances, so they just want you remake and redo everything. Yeah, no. And try, try no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that they're listening or anything like that. That Disney is making a TV series out of the movie Turner and Hooch. I kid you not! Why? There are no new ideas in Hollywood. <laughs> No one wants to spend spend money and risk their money on them. You know, well, there are ideas for the taking. But yeah, the only the only reason I bring up the TV shows and stuff like that is is which as, is Carnival Row, by the way. Is it okay? Yeah. Thank you. What uh, the only reason I bring them up is because it's a different way of telling stories, and some stories are are really good at, in novel form. This one is okay as a novel. But it, if you if you were to say, let's make this into a TV show, you would do much better with the same material uh, as a potential. Anyways, I mean, you can fuck it up a million ways on TV, right? They do it all the time. Um, but the thing is, is um, I, I like reading books, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I don't spend that much time analyzing shows like, you know, Carnival Row or whatever steampunk show that comes out. Because there's usually nothing there. It's just completely insubstantial. So to call it entertaining is an insult, in my view. <laughs> it's like it passed there the there time. There are many kinds of entertainment, Jesse. And just because you doesn't don't like it doesn't mean other people may not enjoy it. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, but what's that? What's that? Uh, paddle ball where you have a paddle with a little elastic band <laughs> attached to it. Yes. You know, whatever that. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing people do. Uh, but it's not on the same level as, uh, you know, grokking, uh, grokking a great book. Well, I was just thinking, Jesse, that, um, you know, uh, uh, Howard's Conan stories would be perfect for an earlier TV shows from the 70s, 80s or 90s because he always returns to the status quo at the end of every story. Yeah, pretty much. Story. Pretty much. But these days you need an arc, and yes. so this something like this book might do better for a modern series. Yeah, and and it's 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 got the it's got the one of the things that they really fundamentally understand on television is you got to have the hook. So my mom started watching a show called Blind Spot. It's now on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I heard about this show, you know, in the periphery when when it started airing. And I said, oh, that's an interesting premise. And then I saw that it went multiple seasons, right? I don't know if it's worth watching, but I could tell you one thing. A premise is not enough because (laughs) 
it, that's how you get to season seven of Prison Break. <laughs> the thing is, Prison Break was a good show because it thought you thought it was going somewhere, right? But all the tattoos on his body hadn't all been exposed because they didn't really have the plan yet, right? They just they they needed to sell a show. Selling a TV show is not the same as writing a novel. This is much more competently put together than you know Prison Break, and Prison Break was an entertaining show. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, there, there's a thousand others like this, but there's other kinds of TV shows where it's like, uh, N- not NCS, I haven't seen that one, but CSI, right? CSI, at least the original, not all the subsequent series or whatever. Um, it's like, it's a, we're solving mysteries, but the way we're doing it is not, uh, with, you know, interviews. It's with, uh, tech or, you know, Lacard's rule or whatever it is. And so it's, it's, it's just another, uh, the premise there is the whole, it can work forever. And I think they just brought, uh, that show back again, even though it's been off the air for many years. So th- the fact that they bring back CSI doesn't bother me at all. Saying we're going to do a Turner and Hooch tells me that they are out of ideas because that was, <laughs> it was barely worth watching at the time. Haven't thought about it since. Uh, but Tom Hanks, uh, and a dog, what can go wrong? Yeah, but the TV series doesn't have Tom Hanks. Of course they don't. So it's like, yeah, how can you go wrong? You don't have Tom Hanks for one thing. Well, yeah, but you know, they're not the, uh, the people there aren't like there because they're the best and the brightest. They're there because you can fail upward very easily in some <laughs> some fields. Anyways, um, I don't think that that's wholly true of books. I I don't know that I I feel the need to read another, another Stephen Barnes anytime soon. Um, but I do like spending time in Larry Niven's playground. Not, not, it's not a call for us to do the Dream Park series. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I, 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 you, you notice I'm not rushing to suggest that. that not, not just yet. Maybe, maybe down the road. The Road of Kings. Well, we, we've done Dream Park. I know we that. have, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah we years talked about ago. Dream Park here. And found it I, wanting. Yes. That must have been before my time. What it a was. cool premise, you know, at the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially when it came out, it was like, "Wow, that's great!" It is. Yep. yep. But premises pretty, are not everything. Pre holodeck, if I remember right. I would guess. Yes, it was right? yes. pre holodeck. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. And th- and then Grant. I forget went, went, whether Westworld had come out yet. It was around the same period, yeah. Well, but Westworld the, as Westworld as a yeah Westworld's before that, so yeah. Because Dream Park was like early eighties, and Westworld was seventies. So okay, yeah, you're right. Are we done? I think we're done. I think we're done. All right. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Thank you.
Not it's every episode has to be two and a half hours, Jesse. <laughs> what do you mean two? When I, I think the one going out on Sunday is four. Oh, oh really? Holy cow. <laughs> oh, uh, Monday. Oh, Monday. Tomorrow. I don't know. We got the audiobook up front, so. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. That also influences things. Yeah, no. I don't expect people to listen to every every episode. That'd be crazy. I mean, some people do. <laughs> Maybe they skip ahead. I don't know. <laughs> Wow. If they listen to only the parts where you're talking. <laughs> well, that's most of the show. <laughs> <laughs> James like James P. Crow <laughs> is going to be two hours, 39 minutes. Uh, that's tonight. That's a good show. We get a lot out of that. Do you remember that one, Paul? That was Phil P. Rick, wasn't it? Yeah. With yeah, uh, so, yeah. you, me, and um, Marissa. Yeah, so... And Evan. Yeah, I mean... Dick is always good for chewy. We did actually very short on uh, Dream Snake for some reason. It was only an hour 32. I thought it was a good discussion, though. It was. It was a good book. Yep. And you know yeah, what's funny? I did. Lots of people reacted on Twitter mm-hmm. before. I, I mean, this was before I had to lock down my Twitter account, but oh, more of that anon. But lots of people were happy and like it's just like oh you did see I love that book I love that book so they got interest and and engagement that people mm-hmm. people like to talk about that book so you know. that's an yep. old that's an old book that a lot of people have read exactly unlike Jewel of the Seven Stars nobody loves that book <laughs> <laughs> or looking backward nobody loves that book nobody says you know what we need some more Edward Bellamy. Like who that? <laughs> or even like uh, a fall of moon dust, right? That, that's that that's not yeah, gonna Arthur get the love Clark, of Dream yeah. Snake. Hmm? Yeah. Arthur C. Clarke and not a major Arthur C. Clarke, so you know. Well, I mean it was at the time. It was, hu- it was, it was hugely public yeah, well, yeah. Um, so if if we wanted to uh go for, you know, popularity, we wouldn't be doing uh James P. Crow. It would be doing every week would be Blade Runner and <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know. You tell us. You have the statistics. I don't. I actually don't have them anymore. But um, oh, uh, the program doesn't run anymore. But statistics on no. listens to what? No, well, I you know based on the feedback sometimes I oh well, I can, but again, that's a that's not a perfect. Uh, no, nothing. Sure. Nothing is, but um, you know, I I have a pretty good sense of what's going on. I think, in terms of you know, like Star Hunters not giving us a lot, a lot of uh, feedback. <laughs> we get more no, no, from. No, if, 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 we, if we wanted contentious feedback, we do more Heinlein. Mm-hmm. That, um, would get, that would get. He's not as popular. He's not as popular. Uh, with uh, you know, know some some people he's not as popular, but but he he draws a lot of uh, a lot of discussion, like it or not. So if, if we did like Farnham's Freehold and we said this is a book for our time, oh, <laughs> sell it that God. way, that that might get some heat. Uh, I think I think that'd be a very bad idea for your podcast. Well, uh, then I think we should do it. I I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Uh, I'm looking sorry forward for to our it. Time. Jesse, don't yeah, don't go into that briar patch, Jesse. I'm looking forward to it. Because anything that's you know controversial should be interesting, right? As opposed Um, to like here's a not necessarily controversial does not equal interesting. 
Um, often my, it does. Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna in terms of books, say Mein Kampf is controversial. It's not interesting. I haven't read it. <laughs> I can't tell you whether it's. I don't know if it's controversial. <laughs> I think everybody mein pretty Kampf much agrees. Definitely controversial, and it's not interesting. So, well, have you read it? I have seen excerpts from it. And that was uh, seen excerpts, <laughs> not read excerpts. I don't know. So seen, read, same thing. I, okay, you don't have to read okay. A whole book to know it's no good. Uh, no, you don't have to read a whole book to know it's no good. You can sometimes tell from the first sentence, right? <laughs> but, um, but I'm not sure it is controversial. I think most people agree Mein Kampf is a bad book. So that's oh, no, not no, a con- that's not a controversial book in the sense that everybody sort of pretty much. I mean, you can find. Uh, individual whack jobs who think it's a great book, they probably never read it either, right? I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think that that's a, a genuinely con-, con... The thing is, the thing I really like about Larry Niven is is his ideas. I don't like his politics. I don't think he should work for Ronald Reagan. I don't think, you know, like, I think he can use his, his intellect and um, and effort for evil. But there's no denying he's got some stuff, right? What when he's actually on his game where he wasn't here? He just well, was. he's very old now, right? So yeah, Stephen Barnes is is in his sixties, and Larry Niven's way older. I I almost kind of wish this was like because they did that for a while, like in the universe of Larry Niven, the seascape tattoo by Stephen Barnes would have given me a different set of expectations entirely. And probably you mean they, if they switched the name problem. order. Well, uh, well, just just making just making it clear who was writing the book and who it comes from. It would have given me its different set of expectations. I might have liked the book more, and it wouldn't have been a different book in any way. I don't think but, there's ever been a Larry Niven book where he had the second name. It was always well, him well, first. That, that, or, or it's like it's like I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not even like in the name, but like inspired by Larry Niven. Why? Because there was like the. <laughs> there was, there was this whole thing. I mean, especially in the 80s, this whole thing like where I Tom Clancy's still writing books. <laughs> robot books. Right. It's like being the, quote, executive producer of a TV show where basically all you do is lend your name to the project. I agree. I agree that those things are bad. However, I do not know since since he actually did a, put a dedication, even if it is to his, his rich cousins. Um, <laughs> um and he did put his name on the book, and he was still alive at the time of the book being written. I don't know that we can say that it was wholly written by Stephen Barnes. It feels more Stephen Barnes than Niven, but I don't. I I don't think we can say. You know, what, <laughs> I don't feel confident saying what percentage wrote what and standing behind that claim. I just fe- yeah, it, I feel it, like it, it's true. It's kind of hard. To, it's kind of so hard I wouldn't put any more. So you know. How much is it, Larry But I would say less than Barnes. But maybe not. Maybe Barnes just added a, a polish to a draft. We don't know. I mean, maybe there's an interview out there that'll say, Ah, it was all me! <laughs> <laughs> I just threw, I, I just threw this guy a bone! <laughs> I don't think I that that's the case. <laughs> no, they were working for the way too long for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what I, you know, what I also, I didn't, I, I don't know when I realized, uh, Stephen Barnes was black. Years and years and years ago. I, I must have read a, maybe it was a Dream Park book or something. I don't remember his first collab. Maybe it was that 
maybe it was that book. Um, I'm sure his picture was on the Lion's Heart book that but, I read, so I would have known at that point. Yeah, I'm. I'm also sure I didn't know when I read Dream Park so many years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't remember. Well, if- I, I knew because 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 I think Niven mentioned it in one of his like collection stories before I'd read Dream Park about mm. Stephen Barnes, and so like, oh, okay. He, so I knew that go kind of going in. Stephen Barnes doesn't get like you know. There's a lot of um, his wife is more famous than him. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name. You guys know how to pronounce her name? Um, Tyler Revy. Do I know? I can't. Yeah. Okay, you did pretty good. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was his wife. Yeah. yeah. So she's more way I more famous that. than he is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is she famous I would for say though? Currently, certainly. Yeah, but what is she famous for? Because I don't know. I just know the name. I don't think I've read any of her She's stuff. She's a writer, right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, there's got, it's a science fiction uh, author, right? She's a science fiction yeah. author. Or SFF uh, author. Um, I know I've read at least a couple of short stories by her. I'm looking it, to Nana Reeve about yeah. right now. She's a little younger than he is, I think. Born 66. Uh, he was born... Whoops. He was born 52, so... Oh, he's 69. Wow. She's 55. Barnes is 69. Pretty good for an old guy. (laughs) Dude, writing is hard. Um, I was just listening to uh, Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. They had a a guy guy named Tom Gerencer, a short uh, fiction writer I know him as. Um, A pretty good one, too. Um, Although I'm not you know, much for modern stuff. I read some of his stuff was on Escape Pod years ago. Um, he uh, he was talking about Sheck, Robert Sheckley, and you know that he knew he they were collaborating on a novel and they were friends, um, which is funny because he's very young compared to Sheckley. Sheckley was born saying he's a contemporary of Philip K. Dick, um, and uh, Sheckley was not great at writing later in his life. It just didn't have the the itch or the ability or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, 69-year-old writing a... Well, I guess he would have been 66 or 65 or whatever. When, that's pretty good. Pretty good book. Doesn't feel old and tired. Feels fairly vigorous. Uh, apparently, he's, like, really into kung fu and, or, you know, various martial, martial arts. arts. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah, and, literally and, kung fu, but... No, no, not 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 martial arts because I mean in in in, in those Niven and uh, those Niven pieces he was talking about how he was trying back in the day trying to get Niven and Pornell to be, be healthier. <laughs> so, well, we'll see. We'll see who wins the contest. Yeah, the so, old contest. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that uh, yeah that Tyler succeeded, but clearly that's where his heart and mind are there because I know he has a website about. Helpful mind this and stuff. So yes, yeah, so that is one of his passions for sure. Mm. Well, Larry Niven's doing pretty good. Uh, Jerry Pornell, not so well. <laughs> no, <laughs> not still alive. You know, Arthur existence failure, sadly, tragically. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Pornell was the first person to send me back a this back when a letter back a letter that I sent to an author. So. Oh, nice. I don't have the letter anymore, sadly. I've lost it in the move, but yeah. Who's the first author to communicate with me? I got to meet Pornell one time. 
he was at a local convention that was being held at BYU. Mm -hmm. Uh And uh, it was Life, the Universe, and Everything back when it was at BYU every year. And uh, he was – my my biggest memory of him is we were in a Writers of the Future um, panel because the winner of the Writers of the Future that year um, was there, and they were going to do a little presentation. And these are Scientology folks, right? Yep. So I'm sitting there in that in that room, um, and they're setting up, and it's there's there's probably five people in the room along with the people that are setting up because, you know, we're in between panels and Pornell is there sitting at the front table and he, he starts, uh, you could just feel the room getting increasingly less comfortable, (laughs) increasingly uncomfortable because he was talking about the similarities between Mormons and Scientologists. Oh. And the room is full of Mormons and Scientologists. <laughs> that was not the first thing Oh, it was. That's a. It's a fun memory. But it was. <laughs> Whoops. He was just like, you know what these folks have in common. And then he said, <laughs> now those Catholics. <laughs> and then po- too fun. Scott got upset. Oh yeah, yeah. So two guys with uh, mm-hmm. politics. I I would not follow. <laughs> But who put together some good books, Paul? Yeah, I mean, Cornell I mean, and Niven. Don't Cornell deny it, Niven. Paul. Yes, so, so, some of the stuff holds up and still yeah, some some up. some's not so good, but that's true of a lot of so, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. the Molten God's Eye still holds up. Oh yeah, it's a good book. Um, um, not Lucifer's Hammer because some of the politics in that is terrible. But it's um, still an interesting book, but way too fucking but, long. Football, which was the first book I did for SSF Audio. Ooh. Yes, that was the first It's also show too long. Got. That's fantastic. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that show. So, it's a, yeah. it's that holds up. Yeah. Other stuff, I mean, Oath it's of too long. Guilty, um, yeah, yeah, not a good That's a badly, yeah, that's a badly written show, book. Yeah. 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 Oh, God, yeah. It's an interesting idea, premise, but not a good book. But, oh, God, the politics. Let's have war mm-hmm. gases in our in our ecology. Oh, boy. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, you really went there, didn't you? <laughs> 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 uh, I, I don't even remember it that well. Yeah, I just remember it being weak. I, I mean, back in the day, young and less... Um, less... Uh, Less worldly Paul loved all those books, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Older Paul realizes now that maybe not so much. Well, you were, you were young, and, young and excited by uh, the ideas of the science ideas, fiction, yes, right? Yes, 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 I was, exactly. And those are, good, those, are good, those are good things to do. But uh, as you get older, you also get better taste, <laughs> right? Exactly. Hopefully. I mean, if you got okay, worse taste over time, that would be that'd be kind of weird. I, 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 I mean, it's the people whose tastes don't change who think what they had read at twelve should be for everything. That's when you run into problems. See, following the puppies, but you know, because mm-hmm. because I, I honestly think that that's what the puppies' problem is. They arrested their tastes at the age of twelve, and I think that's what science fiction be and not ever change, which is kind of. No, sad. that's it's, it's sad. They're only sad puppies, but it's nothing sad. wrong with uh, nothing wrong with books for twelve years old. Yeah, yes, but the books the books I read at twelve years old, 
I mean, I don't want to read those books forever. I would miss out on so much. Yeah. If that's all I read. No, you need some variety. Yeah, I think I think part of the uh, the issue that I was having being interested in this book is I'm reading the Silmarillion at the same time, mm. and um, it's like the Silmarillion is just incredibly rich and uh, summer of the Silmarils. Uh, I'm learning a lot, you know, um, but this book was just really superficial. I, I didn't. I didn't see any things that uh, that you guys saw because I didn't have the background in Conan, but um, but yeah, but I, I hear you. It's like there. I don't know. I, I've been thinking a lot about you know science fiction today and stuff, and it, it is just it's really different than it was when I was growing up in the eighties. Mm. And I think that there is an optimi- an optimism thing. Um, whereas I think that in the eighties we were really looking forward to something. Um, and now everything seems so dystopian, you know, um, like, uh, are you talking about in the field or in real life? From Becky Chambers, um, Mm -hmm. a song for the wild built. And, um, I, I can't believe, you know, I don't know that I've seen a book mentioned that the, the, the optimism is mentioned by the reviewers so often, Mm -hmm. like right on the front, an optimistic vision of a lush, beautiful world says Martha Wells. You know, um, escapist fantasy. <laughs> I think most of the the science fiction in the eighties was had an optimistic feel to it, um, and I think that also something that I've been thinking about is that the future has never changed. Meaning, the future that I was looking forward to in the eighties never occurred, and it's like. The future that we're looking at right now from 2021 is the same future I was looking at in the 80s as far as technology and stuff goes with just a few exceptions. Hmm. I don't know what you guys think of that, but it's like, you know, we we have, you know, iPhones. That's a difference. We have the Internet. That's a difference, right? But as far as, you know, uh, things getting economically different or things... Like we're in space, you know, we're pushing out towards space, you know, all that stuff never happened hmm. in in the 50 years I've been alive, you know. Um, so I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I expected, I mean, 1981, I expected by now, 2021, that we would have lunar colonies, maybe an orbital colony. We, we'd be on Mars by now for sure. Yeah, yeah. No persons, question. not just robots, and we know it just did not work. Yeah, so it's like we're, we're looking at the same future, and people are thinking about the same thing. So I think that science fiction sort of, as I, as I loved it, or I, I came to love, kind of died with the singularity mm-hmm. stories. That was like the the kind of the end of that era, mm. and then I think science fiction changed and it has become something else, as it naturally should. I'm not saying that it shouldn't change, but um, you know, and it's changed over the years. It wasn't always like it was in the 80s. Either. So you you would say like a book like The Martian is a throwback? Yeah, I would. No, and, 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 and the fact that it was so highly yeah. received. I think people say we want more of this. Shows you that that there's just something missing as far as what people fell in love with, mm. at least in my generation. It's like, you know, here we're going to, you know, science the shit out of it or whatever, however you put it, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, because I, I think that a lot of science fiction today, too, is really fantasy. Um, even like Arkady Martine, when you hear her talk about her books, she said that um, she's really writing epic fantasy mm. in a science fiction setting. And, you know, she loves that, you know. So she's using, you know, science fiction ideas and stuff. And, that, and that's a good book, by the way, Jesse. Oh, I haven't read. I haven't read book two, but I think you would like book one. No, really sell me on it. It sounds I've been hearing oh, about it. Oh, memory it. called Empire. Yes. Yeah, yeah, a memory oh, called yes. Empire. So, so what it's about is um, there's a person who is on a space station who is picked to be an ambassador to the Empire, and she empire. is replacing. Yeah, she's replacing somebody. I think, I think Luke just reviewed this book. Yeah, he could have. But yeah, he, was... she's she's replacing somebody who was murdered, and one of the things that happens is when an ambassador is appointed, they implant the memories of the previous person. Yeah, this so that familiar. they have all that background as they move forward into the job. Well, the 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 implant that she has is an old version, <laughs> and she's missing the lead up to his murder, so she doesn't know what happened. How long is it? Um, it's a typical today book. So oh no! Three hundred oh, yes. pages. Yeah. Yeah, another wrinkle is this technology implanting memories is just for the space station, which is its own polity. The Empire yes. doesn't Secret. have this. Yeah, right. just, it doesn't have this technology. It's kind of actually forbidden. So mm-hmm. she can't tell anybody she has these memories in the Empire because that would be like, oh god. Right. But but there's whole sorts of political machinations come out of this map. Yeah, it. and, and, and not it. only that, but the space station uh, really, really does not want to be annexed into this this empire. Right. So that, right that's her job as the yeah. ambassador is try to make sure this doesn't occur. Mm-hmm. So you got all that. And then, you know, so the, the science in the book is really setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're given so it. It's, it's a like fantasy book. Fantasy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, like Star Wars is a fantasy. Opera. She a doesn't of... worry about oh. how the warp yeah. drive works. Exactly, or like that's that. exactly right. And I think that a lot of science fiction, um, I, I let's say from from let's say about around two thousand on to today, I think that the most interesting stuff has been fantasy. I think the, the innovative stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think of that. There's definitely been a rise of. Of innovative fantasy in the last ten years, for sure. Yes, yeah, in the last ten years, for sure. Maybe fifteen. But even even the science fiction, the 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 popular, you know, Hugo nominated stuff, uh, is been really fantasy. You know, there's not yeah, been a it, lot it, of hard science fiction, and there's always going to be exceptions like Spin. I think Spin by Robert Charles Wilson oh, was, like was 15 the years ago. Wasn't yeah, it? but it was after two thousand. So I'm just saying that was the last ooh wow science fiction book that I've read mm-hmm. that, that was, was uh, like a Hugo nominee. I have to look at a list of the Hugo nominees to to check that assumption. So but a memory yeah. called Empire is sixteen, almost sixteen hours, which mm-hmm. and I I'm pretty sure I heard a review of it. You were um, you, you did that podcast, Trish. That's great. Yes. I'm going to listen to that. Thank you. Great. Oh, maybe yeah, no. You know what? That's where I heard it, Trish. I heard your show on that. With um, um uh, Hugo, podcast. Hugo's there. Yeah, right. yeah, Hugo's there. That's. Cool. I don't think I finished that that one, but I heard you guys talking about it. Um, right. So, 
it uh, honestly, uh, fifteen hours is a lot of effort, and I haven't heard anything that made me say this is absolutely something Jesse will love. And you don't want me shitting all over your your book, <laughs> and not for two and a half hours. <laughs> no, well, but I, I it was yeah, it, it was, was definitely yeah. my favorite book of that year. Um, mm-hmm. and, How old uh, is it? But if you listen to part okay. of my podcast. Uh, Jesse, and we're not sold on it, then I don't think I can say any more to convince you. <laughs> you just have to spoil it for me. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really predict what you think about it, to be honest. But <laughs> I, like I, it. I, I know Jesse is just not into the long haul books. And so mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's an additional hurdle that this book has. And a but lot of are, modern books have. There are I definitely want, a lot of ideas in this book. Mm. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like ideas. Um, and written, um, you know, she's what is uh, she's a historian. Uh, the, she, the she's a Byzantine. She's a Byzantine historian who now yeah. works for a city in New Mexico. Right, and, and so, like as a city planner. Yeah. So it, it's like a, a, a very cool little confluence of things mm-hmm. that she's yeah. into. Here's what I, I'll, I'll. She's a fascinating person. How about yeah, how about this? this for years, and so we'll I let it sit so for. A few years and see if it's still floating around and still interesting yeah. in your mind. And if it yeah. is, so, so, so you haven't read Desolation yet, Scott? No, I've got it. It's right here. I can see it from where I'm sitting. But no, <laughs> I haven't read it. Yet. Yes, I have. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so, so Desol- Desolation. This is only a mild spoil, Scott. It's kind of got right. like a Kirk and Spock pair of characters. Would nice. you think that's a that's a fair way of putting them? Yeah. Uh, Trish. Yeah, I. Uh, they kind of got like they kind of like dynamic. The uh, major difference, I would say, is that desolation looks outward rather than inward. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, so are we, we more? Go. Are we more on her space station? Or are we at the Empire? No, or spaceships. Spaceships. We don't, okay. we don't go back. We do go back to the space station, but we're also on spaceships because we go, we cool. confront the bad guys that were into that in the first one. Yeah. And I should also add, Jesse, and this may mm-hmm. be a plus, mm-hmm. this is the last book in the series. <laughs> two-book series? She wrote a two-book series. It's a duology. Series, yes. She's <laughs> moving duology. on. She's not Good. moving on to more of these. She's moving on to something different. Good. Mm-hmm. So yep. Yeah, I can't wait to see what she does next. Yep. That one's almost 18 hours. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a big, thick book, but it's good. I mean, she's written. She's also written short stories. I remember there's one story that was in the the collection, The Mythic Dream, which basically she takes a Babylonian myth and turns it into space opera, and it works. It's That's not in this universe. It's like, wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so yeah, she's real. She's wicked talented. So there's a there is a, a long wicked book. Smart. She's wicked, wicked smart. smart. <laughs> there's a long book I I do want to read, but I, I just can't. Think of uh, maybe if I booked off three, three, three weeks. Um, <laughs> no, there, there's, you know, I don't know if you'd be interested in this, Jesse, but I would. Uh, it'd be kind of cool to talk about. Joe Walton did a book that I love called Lent. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. I don't think you would like that. I don't think you would like it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it sounds very Catholic. No, what it is is it's like um, she's she's taken the Christian worldview mm-hmm. and then changed it. And made a fantasy out of it. Okay. So, I mean, meaning, um, I, well, I guess I said it right. I don't know if anybody has read that book, but I sure it's enjoyed all, it's it. It's on my pile. Yeah, I, I sure enjoyed it. But that, that's really what she's done is she, she's altered the, the Christian worldview 
into a fantasy world that has these rules out of this thing that she's created and then wrote a, wrote a book out of it. And it's really good. Um, but she's also written a book called, um, uh, or what you will that I haven't read yet because I want to, I need to watch or read the tempest. And there was one other Shakespeare play that that I needed to read before I read that book. Twelfth Night. Those are both great plays. Yep. So um, I haven't actually done either of those or read either of those plays. The Tempest is very, um, it's like a Lovecraft comedy. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. It is very fun. It's super funny. You know Uh, what I watched? I watched, um, at the beginning of this year, I watched like three versions of Macbeth. Oh, yeah, and uh, I really got into Macbeth for about a month. Not I, not I, so I much a comedy. It, I watched him. I thought that it was it was very good. It's terrific. But there's a version with Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah, that is beautiful looking. But they they've changed some things that I didn't really like. It was a third one that I watched, mm-hmm. so I could really see how you can really change a character just by how you say stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, absolutely. In that, it's, it's like, oh, yes. it's like you Inflection can change. and delivery, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, this the person is a victim to this person is not a victim just in how you play it, you know? I just think yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the best things about Shakespeare is his infinite adaptability and how ah, people from you're you're almost quoting him <laughs> can draw out different yeah. things from what he wrote. Yeah, that's great. So stuff. we should do the Tempest. I, I, I'm down. I'm down with doing the Tempest. Absolutely, I'd be all for doing the Tempest. Well, all right, me too. Let's do it. Let's okay. book it right now, Paul. You're not allowed. You're going to be during the week. You're gone. <laughs> or you just book it after. Or you can just book it afterwards. That would um, be funny. The book, the book, the book that I'm thinking about doing, but it's too long, is uh, The Devil's Chessboard. It's called, uh, subtitled, Alan's, Alan Dulles, The CIA and the Rise of America's Secret Government. It's, uh, 25 hours. Wow, that's a lot. Twenty-five hours. I get this. The price yeah, on Audible like really seventy-one dollars. Audiobook, something history with all the names and everything. I have to have text in front of me and be able to refer back and forth. Mm. Um, it's just too too confusing to try to listen to twenty-five hours of something like that. Mm. It's a big book. That's a that that be a. Yeah, you can't just like, hey, I'll just whim, whim this. Not if you're going to put out a show every week and <laughs> and have a life and other stuff on top of it. Now, Scott, there is something important we need to talk about. I don't know if the others are Ooh. interested, but really? I've just finished watching all of Enterprise. Oh, okay. And I have some some thoughts. All right. Let her rip. It's been a while since I've watched them. Well, you watched it while it was airing, right? It was right? a show that I watched as they came out. Yeah. And I wanted it to be good so bad that I kept watching, hoping it would be really good. I remember that. <laughs> I remember us talking about That's that. Me. <laughs> it never quite made it. I'll tell you. Dang it. Like, uh, like when, they, when they went to World War II. Yeah, I sort that of. would have been cool if they stayed there a while, but they didn't. They have all sorts of bad writing on that show and one of them is like not knowing how much time to spend on stuff so uh, evan asked me a really funny question he said what is the best season and what what's your answer to that of the four seasons My answer is that there isn't one it's like <laughs> it 
it's like there are good shows spread throughout, is what I would say. Yeah, and bad right. shows spread throughout. <laughs> exactly. There's not there's not one season that I say I would say is a standout. So the I don't know if everybody agrees with uh, that. Everybody's seen all of the show, Paul. Yeah, I haven't seen every episode okay. of the show because I watched it when it came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On t- live TV. What 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 did you think? Uh, if you like Trish? when you're talking about it, Jesse, if you mm-hmm. just yell spoilers when you're going to spoil something, uh, I'll go ahead and spoil. <laughs> every spoil of the spoil is spoiled. Um, um Trish, what did you think? Uh, you were watching it when it's coming out. Did you think it was getting better, worse? Did it decline or did it excel at the end? Because some people there like the was, last there season. There was an episode called Cogenitor, I believe, yeah. in the second se- season that I absolutely hated. And I uh-huh. kept watch- waiting and watching for them to come back and revisit what I hated about it and make it, you know better and they never did so apparently they were all fine with it um and so the rest of the show was basically a hate watch for me wow 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 i don't, wow, I don't wow, think wow. that they ever improved or or declined in my opinion it was the same throughout. well they did try and change it though they try and changed it a bunch of ways right mm-hmm. never really fixing the essential problem and they doubled well, down on the stupid I mean, the initial theme song problem for me was that i loved scott bakula in quantum leap and in in an enterprise they made him a humorless stick up his butt uh hmm. uh yeah, he's, he's not charismatic he's, serious, yeah. he's not super An charismatic captain and you know just it went on from it there. was some bad writing there he did his <laughs> best with like, it the captain. <laughs> he did his best with it. Paul, did you have... Uh... I'm sure Scott Bakula did his best That's with it. I'm blaming yeah. the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, what did you think? Uh, the season gets better or worse? Is there a better um, season? It, it, it is It is kind of like a very mild roller coaster. Actually, a mild roller coaster. It's a kind of roller coaster. There's lots of drops, sometimes precipitous ones, and sometimes very gradual climbs to decency, and then drop back down again to, like, oh, God, why do we have to do a Ferengi episode? Scrub <laughs> up again, Vulcan episode with, with with the endurance. Okay, that's cool, good, but we're not going to establish that momentum. We're going to go back down again. And then the last episode of the season made me so angry. I wanted. Oh, uh, you mean the <laughs> last episode of the last season? Yeah, yeah that was that was me. okay. Yeah, yeah I think Trish was saying okay, she didn't like that either. Basically. It turns out the entire run of Enterprise. No, you're 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 misremembering it. That's not actually. No, no, no it no, it it it. I think no. the implication is that you're wrong. That I, I just watched it. It's not. I remember you saying that. It is. It, 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 you're wrong. That's not actually Wait, in that episode. Paul say his thing first. Okay, go for it. Argue with him. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what Paul was going to say. The implication is that. In addition to the last episode of this of the season, that the entire Enterprise has basically been Riker watching this on the holodeck to try to figure out a problem during Star Trek: The Next Generation. So basically, reducing all of Enterprise to a holodeck program. Okay, so you're wrong about the whole of this show being uh, Riker doing that. It's just one incident from like I just watched it last night, right? So I'm okay. I've got it straight in my mind. It's not from you know. Uh, like some, some of my takes are wrong. Okay. I remember Voyager wrong, but this one is not a wrong take. So you, you're wrong about that having an implication for any other episode other than the last one. I agree. It's a shitty episode and it's, it, that's some seriously 
bad ideas for no reason and and and, and they keep not and, for no reason they're just, trying to they wrap up the show and make it the characters like oh no they're in the end they will only just hold it that at least even if you just take the even if, uh, you know, yeah, right, I'll take I'll take your thing as right that it was just the last episode it basically just turns them into a holodeck program yeah and but that's, that, and, and, and the actors who worked hard on that show for years even if the show wasn't great that's a shitty way to treat that yeah it's a bad ending for the show for sure um but that yeah it doesn't have an implication for other episodes there there's an episode in the last season or two episode last season thing where they are alternate it's mirror universe and what's weird is it's entirely mirror universe they don't have any like crossover i like i I like those episodes because it It was it was interesting series episode the tholian web and explains yeah and explain some things uh-huh. about how the it's how fine. the mirror universe goes. That's fu- that, that, those episodes I'm cool with. It's it fine. Explain some things. It's fine. Uh, so one of the one of the things that um, I went in saying uh, the reason I didn't like it and <laughs> didn't get past the pilot was because it it was all about boobs and rub back rubs and not about uh, you know and <laughs> sexual tension and not about you know uh, science fiction ideas. And the thing is, is that holds true for the whole of the show. There are very few science fiction ideas. Very few science fiction ideas that are presented have any kind of like payoff in a way that you say, mm, classic episode, really nailed the landing on that one. That They might present some like half-hearted science fiction idea or two of them and then say, and, and, and now we're going to do the rest of the episode. And they sort of forget that, you know, the whole point of a, good star trek episode is not the lore but ra- or you know the character dynamics that stuff's fun and makes you f- have nice feels well, but the well, reason you watch the show is because the, the you go to the planet Jesse where everybody dude <laughs> dude Jesse, that the reason why you watch the show is for the ideas i'm sorry i'm sorry to tell you this but there were some star trek shows before enterprise and the first star trek was uh they go to a planet and they have some weird shit down there, and then we realize right. we realize it's an idea episode. And then we go to Next Generation, and they have like other than the pilot, sort of you know clunkily setting things up. Pretty much, they go to a planet, they have some encounter. It's an idea episode, and and then you get to Deep Space Nine, where they started doing you know season long arcs and character uh, arcs, but they still had those episodes where oh you know. It's an actual science fiction idea. And then Voyager, yep, it's a, it's not exactly, but they don't do those, that many arcs. And more importantly, it still has science fiction ideas. But Enterprise, finding like idea episodes, very few and far between. So that was one fundamental problem with the show. And the thing is, is what's funny about what Evan asked me, right? Is what's the best season? I was like, what's well, not season three? Because season three is one long arc with very little, um, you know, independent things. And yet it actually has an idea for the whole season, but it's just not interesting after 22 episodes, right? The idea is at best, he said it should have been a two part. I'm like, no, it should have been a one part idea, which is, um, <laughs> there's basically aliens from another dimension are trying to, uh, they're trying to take a, part of the galaxy and turn it, it change, into it change it, yeah, change it to their own they're uh, terraforming a part yeah. of the galaxy so there's a kind of a science fiction idea there 
but Even it's so fair. fucking long and so not Heck interesting that it's mostly phaser fights, right? So season three is not it. Now, season four, Evan makes the case that uh, for a prequel show, they they should have focused on more. The whole thing should have been like season four, which is all about the lore, L-O-R-E, right? The the lore of the Star Trek series. And actually, if you look at it, like there's more more solid episodes in season four than there are, despite the last bad bad one, than there are in any other season. But actually, season two is probably the best of having science fiction ideas because there's a couple, there are like three or four episodes where, oh yeah, there's a half-hearted science fiction idea. And the thing is, is it's not the character's problem. It's all the writer's problems, right? The sets are good. The costumes are fine. You know, uh, despite her lips being, you know, varying sizes, uh, to Paul's grade, all, all, I, I don't think Trip is very amazing of a character. He does pretty good with what he's got, right? So, uh, and you know, the English actor, oh, finally we get an Englishman playing an Englishman on, <laughs> on, an, on a Star Trek. Why not? Well, I'll throw one in there, right? Uh, I'm fine with it all, right? But the problem is, it ultimately, it's just not very good. And it is all to do with the writing because, you know, like, uh, 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 when I'm, I'm like really trying to get a good episode, I'm thinking like, oh, remember that one where they go to, uh, they go after some, uh, maybe it's after the Zindi season, right? They go to, um, Vulcan and they spend some time on Vulcan with the Vulcans who, uh, are looking for, I don't know, somebody's Katra. And I'm like, that's pretty good. And it's only good because we're getting sort of more lore. But it isn't really full of ideas, bursting with ideas. And like, how, or even like the, the morality on it is really fucking weak. And some, some stuff is like, I, I, I guess this is what Trish you're pointing to in Cogenitor. But, um, ultimately, I think that's one of the best episodes because, um, you know, the morality is bad on it, right? Obviously. But the yeah, thing is, it's infuriating. <laughs> it's infuriating, but there's an episode of Next Generation that it's almost identical to, and that's the one where um, Deanna Troy falls in love yet again uh, with uh, some scientist who's going to die. She's romantic, Jesse. Hmm? Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I love, I love, she's one of my favorite characters. Um, if not my favorite, you know, of Next Generation characters, she's probably my favorite. But she also gets in Deep Space Nine, which is fun too. Anyways, the, the important part is uh, she falls in love with some scientist and they say, no, we have to execute him. And he decides to go back and get executed because he he's, lives in a society of old people. It's designed to infuriate you, right? So that cogenitor one is like, oh my God, what a horrible thing, right? But actually it's full of science fiction ideas. That's one of the very best episodes <laughs> So I want more like that, more, more uh, grist for the idea mill. Uh, that that one's. Uh, do you remember? Um, I ta- it made me think of that show, uh, Alien Nation, which was so yes. good. Yeah. Yes. Such a good show, right? Um, I went back and watched uh, the pilot episode, not the original movie, on. Um, I think it's on YouTube. I was like, oh, well, they haven't got it perfectly 
down yet, but the ideas are solid there. And the thing is, it's perfect. It's like perfect science fiction set on Earth, right? Aliens show up mm-hmm. and they're they're black people. Aliens show up and they're Latinos. Aliens show up and they're refugees, right? And you have a sort of conservative uh, cop who has to uh, partner with a you know uh, immigrant. And it's oh, perfect science fiction. Mm-hmm. And and they have one of the things they develop in there is that they have this third gender, and so uh, what's his name Francisco, uh, Sam Francisco, S- Sam Francisco or whatever his name is, um, his Sam wife Francisco. it has to have <laughs> sex with another dude, and it's the it's the dude the janitor in their office, and like they're friends. And it's like what? <laughs> this is not allowed. But no, that's perfectly fine. That's how their society works. That's how their biology works. Uh, would you like me to be jealous of him? That's ridiculous, right? Perfect science fiction. So, like, that's a be- better version of what what they were doing on cogenitor, but um, and more satisfying in a certain sense. There are people who watch Star Trek from the original from the series all the way up to up to Picard, who watch it not for the ideas. For the characters, I know they're wrong. The, 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 I, would, I would agree with that I, I've had a conversation with someone once it, um, it, about Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, there's just not enough shooting in that one." Oh <laughs> yeah, so it, it's like people watch the things for different reasons. Um, for sure. but when I was, I, I, I was at a science fiction convention, a Star Trek convention, and Marina Sirtis called Deep Space Nine deep. She said, "Is deep sleep nine? We can't use the other word we say." Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So yes, exactly. So exactly. yeah, but the, you know, we we talked about that. That's professional jealousy, etc. That, that was professional <laughs> jealousy. But, but but the thing is, is different things, I, so. I but Paul, I've watched movies with like a, a person who works in movies. Right, like we're sitting in the movie theater, and she's she's saying this is really a bad movie, and I'm like, no, it's actually really interesting. And she, but the thing is, is she works in the movies. She's a set dresser, right? And she's mm-hmm. looking at the set dressing and say, "This is a bad movie." I'm like, "Well, it's it's a dark room in a haunted house, right?" <laughs> yeah, the set dressing's not so great. Like, if you if you watch movies with someone who's making movies, you're gonna get a different point of view. But she's doing mm-hmm. it wrong, right? She's doing <laughs> it wrong. And you know what movie that was? She, values she, wrong. she fell asleep. Value. She fell asleep <laughs> yes, in it. She fell asleep uh, during um, the only good. Uh, what's that? Slama Dama Ding Dong guy. It's his what? only his only Wait, good what movie. What are you talking about? Yeah, you do. Blinga Blanga Ding Dong. His he's from India. He had uh, uh, the Sixth Sense. What's his name? Oh, Shyamalan? M. Night Shyamalan? Shyamalan, right. Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, Jesse. Anyways. Jesse, I don't know. He got from Ding Dong to that. I don't know. No, people, people make fun of his last name being hard to pronounce. Anyways, the important part is that actually, when you watch that movie, it, it's kind it's of slow. It's to pronounce. It's three syllables. Shyamalan. Uh, I, I know how to pronounce it. I just couldn't remember his name, but people make fun of him. That's how I remembered. People make fun of how his name is hard to pronounce. Um... Anyways, that movie's actually fairly boring, right? But it has this sort of intriguing thing. And then when you put it together at the right spot, it works, right? 
Now, when you walk out of the movie theater, you might say, it's all a gimmick, right? It's all the one thing. And I agree, but while watching in the theater, it was good. You see what I mean? So if she's watching it and saying that the set dressing is, you know, it's a boring movie uh, because the set, but she's not paying attention to the, it's like watching the movie with subtitles off in the foreign language. It's like, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're like, I thought movies were only silent. Uh, I'm, I never unmuted anything. <laughs> like, no, you're doing it wrong. No wonder you don't like it. And you only like uh, music videos or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are ways of doing things wrong. So if you're looking for action, Star Trek Enterprise has more action than any other Star Trek. Um, except for the movie, more modern movies, right? Which are all action as well. Uh, you know how many times I could, I was like, stop counting. How many times they had a, a hull breach and somebody's, you know, they're all getting oxygen deprived. It's like multiple times in the first season. It happens in later seasons too. You know how many times that happened in previous Star Trek episodes? All 600 of them? How many times? None! <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So why do they do it in there? It's because it's a gimmick to increase the stakes, right? It's like just a shitty writer technique. And uh, the, the, whoever's running that show like had, had some bad instincts. It was competent. It was competently put together, but not competent to go seven seasons. Wasn't that uh, Braga? I think was you're right. I think it was Braga. Braga. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, uh, like fundamental mistakes from the beginning, like let's distance ourselves from Star Trek, but you're still doing a a show that's set in the Federation on a ship called the Enterprise. Dif- difficult. You're trying to expand your user base. Ugh, terrible ideas. Ter- uh, and yet, it, it, this show is brilliant compared to the modern stuff, which is even crazier. Evan said I had to watch uh, Dis- Discovery now. I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to watch the old animated series. I started watching one of those. And I was like, oh my god, it's so fucking slow. It's just like... <laughs> and then why aren't their eyes colored white? I don't understand why they couldn't like just put in a little white on their eyes. It's the same color as their whole faces. It's they very... didn't have anybody seeing to get the red eyes. <laughs> 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 well... Looking back on it, Paul, Paul, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Enterprise, but you I, don't say. But but I watched <laughs> the whole thing. We had gathered, and mm-hmm. I I made lots of notes, and I there were things that were interesting to think about because it is set in the same place. But um, yeah, not so good. Well, it sounds like you've got a show right there, Jesse. <laughs> On, you, need to do a, you need to do a show on Star Trek. No, no. There's not. We'd have to get a Star Trek book. Did you know that Robert Sheckley wrote a Deep Space Nine novel? Yeah, I did, I did actually. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I told you. <laughs> um, lots of people write in shared universities, so that's not so. Scott you used to review all of those uh, those Star Trek books, the uh, audiobooks. Yeah, they're coming out on audio now. I mean, I I used to love those abridged audios that are about six hours, mm-hmm. and then they stopped making them for a while, and now they're all coming out abridged. 
Oh, but that's but the whole universe is changing. I've actually just recently started. Um, they have an entire novel series that um, takes place right after Nemesis, the movie Nemesis. Yeah, that's probably and, bad. And um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of character stuff in there for sure. But I read uh, Death in Winter, which is the first one. Somebody actually compiled a list and said that here's your your list. Um, right. I don't know if anybody's interested in that list, but um, it's called. Uh, so what is it? Star Trek Litverse. Star Trek Litverse dot com, and there's a, a tab on the left that's just called uh, Post Nemesis Simple Post Nemesis Reading List. And there must be 40 novels on here. Wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. But um, but I read Death in Winter, which is the first one. I liked it. And I've got Taken Wing, which is um, Riker and Troy on the USS Titan. And I was going to give that a read and see if I liked it. But it's going to be a lot of character stuff, Jesse, I know for sure. Yeah. K.W. Jenner. If I across an idea one. one, I'll let you know. KW Redder. I'm told by uh, Star Trek readers that there's this trilogy called Destiny that they say is the pinnacle Star Trek ever. Hmm. And uh, not not just one person. It seems like a lot of people think that that's just fantastic stuff. And Hmm. if I read these things in order, I'm about 10 books away from it. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Imzadi myself. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good book. Are these all on audio? No, I don't know if Im- no, I don't think Im- they're not. They, they I think Imzadi was audio, at one point. Maybe I don't know. I'm going to say four years ago, maybe mm. three years ago, they started doing unabridged audio. On um, it's not just Audible, but does anybody do abridged anymore? I, although you know, I, I was looking at that book I mentioned earlier, the Devil's Chessboard. There's an hour-long version for five bucks, uh, but it's a it's a you know summary of the book. That's that's a thing that they do now. They just do summaries of books that. Really? Oh yeah. On audio, I had I didn't know that. Yeah, because there's all these long books, right? And people like uh-huh. twenty-five hours. I'll read so this one-hour summary. summary of a non-fiction book. You're saying. Yes, and uh, they do they do that a lot. There's a lot of them. It's a big market. Oh. Didn't know that. I don't. Uh, what I'm wondering though is, is I think they they're not like there's no license. It's just you you read the book and then you summarize it, and it's your own work. Mm-hmm. It's not an abridgment. So there's no paying. So like, um, you know, <laughs> Game of Thrones, the summarized version. <laughs> Dude walks in, says, "You're having sex with your sister." Guy falls from tower. Next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is disappointing. There is a version of Imzadi on Audible, but it's a bridge to two yes. hours. Yeah, and 47 it's from minutes. it's like, from the oh, day. No. Well, see, no, listen, listen. Those that used to be the way. That was the standard. Um, I, I do, I do recommend you listen to it if you're interested, because it's like a production kind of. It's not an audio drama. But I used to love those things. That's the way they all used to come I, out. I, I, I'm a little weary because I really like the book. And chopping it down to two hours forty seven yeah. minutes. It's, it's fun. It, I can't remember who read that one, but it was a good one. It was usually one of the actors. 
I mean, if if it goes on sale, maybe, but I'm not going to use a credit on that. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. That's, no. You that's don't a waste of a credit. It's probably agreed, Paul. Agreed. It's probably on YouTube if you go to YouTube. Jonathan Frakes reads it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he does. It's, it's good. It's it's fun. Uh, I'm telling you, it, it, you know, it's just like somebody took a book and made a movie out of it. That's, I mean, I've, that's I mean, similar to what's going on here, but it is not an audio drama. It's not like all the actors are there playing parts. It's still read by Frakes, but it's abridged. Oh, and I'm so into those. I used to go to the bookstore, and every time I went to the bookstore, I would see if they had them. They come out on two cassettes, and uh, I was joyous every time there was a new one. Scott was um, there an Imzadi too. There is an Imzadi. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm just looking at my pirate website, and yeah, they have I've, they have I've, both here. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a listen. It's just fun. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a replacement for the novel, but I mean, you could spend the rest of your life reading Star Trek novels. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? No, thank I mean, you. There are so many. It could be a hundred percent of my reading, and I'm not interested in that. But I am. I am kind of interested in this arc that they had because a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, but I don't know if it's something that Jesse would enjoy. Because I do like the characters, um, and it is going to be a bunch of stuff happening. It's not all going to be idea stuff, and we'll mm-hmm. see if there's any idea stuff in it. But oh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I do wish it would. They were all on audio. If they were all on audio, I'd probably be more apt to listen. You know, to those in the car and stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have a lot to. I got a lot. I need a lot of audio books for my trip west, assuming it goes off. COVID and fires. Right. I mean, I mean that giant Oregon fire really concerns me because they're sitting basically in the path of my return. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, so, it's very concerning. Yeah. So it's like, am I really going to have to cancel a half a dozen things and rejigger my trip entirely to avoid it? Maybe. Yeah. Stay tuned. Perhaps. I mean. I mean, it's the size of New York City at this point. Yeah. New York City. <laughs> New York City. Scott, you good on uh, RSDs? Yes, I am. In fact, um, I was going to edit one or two today. Good, good. I think I'm missing one. Oh. Let me go look here. Um, let's see. Where the, there they are. And let me call up this. SFF Audier. SFF Okay. You got Patch in, in the can already. Yeah, Patch is in the can. It's ready to roll. So the 26th, I think that's the one I'm missing. Jameson? 26? Yes, I'm uh, missing May 26th. Let me look. I have June 2, I have June 9. No, actually June 2 is the last one I have. So if I had the 26, I'd get two of them done today. And then anything that you recorded after that hasn't been dropped in there yet. All right. Oh, wait a minute. There is a... No, I have a 623. Yep. 23? I have a June 23. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. Okay. MP3 Skype recorder, and we're looking for 
May twenty sixth. So that's five it's, it's, to it sounds six. Like, it sounds like you guys are talking shop now about your thingy mm-hmm. and you don't need Trish or I anymore. Yeah, we don't need <laughs> you. So have a great day, you guys. It yeah, was great too. to talk it's to you guys. Yeah, great to talk to you both. Uh, as always. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Have a good bye. one. I'm thinking this is the right one. That's uh uh public no no not public folder. We need the Scott folder. Where's the Scott folder? Paste. Alright. There is the 26th one. It says 35 minutes. And then what was the next one? Um, The next one is June 9. June 9. Okay. The June jellyfish. 6. June 9. Yeah. There's the 35-minute one. And then there's a June 16. Paste. All right. June 16. And that should a, set me I've up got for a two, good long while. got two ones that are... One's 35 minutes and one's 39 minutes. I'm guessing that's going to be the second one. But I'll just send both. We might talk about you in the other one. I might say, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Can't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Can't Not trust him. Trusted. Not to be trusted. Not to be trusted. <laughs> He's busy reading Star Trek books. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, Red one. <laughs> what's the um what's the uh one after that one? The sixteenth? You said the sixteenth, I have the twenty third. Okay, so now we're July seventh. July seventh, and it looks like there's two shows that day. Uh, oh yeah, that sounds right. July seventh. There's one that's 27 minutes long, and then one that's 37 minutes long, and one that's an hour and 38 minutes. That's probably, I don't know. Oh, there's a whole bunch here. Okay, and that one's up with a student, so I'll just send everything and see. Okay, what was it? July 7th, right? Yeah. All right. Oh, and I won't send the 16-second one, because that's probably not helpful. Copy link. Alright. Oh, that's not right either. I hate this Dropbox doesn't act the way it used to. Just had to make it better. Yeah, me too. Like, why don't I, why can't I just, like, why do I have to interact through your own browser interface rather than whatever? Uh, my mom says, you should, you should. Use Zoom. I'm like, I don't need to learn all this extra stuff to do exactly. <laughs> do you remember back in the day how they had a, this technology called like landline telephones? And <laughs> over like the course of a hundred years, they changed the technology um, so that the, the access dial pad was no longer a rotary turn, but a button. Mm-hmm. That was the entire extent of the change. Now we have mm-hmm. things that change like daily sometimes yeah i know it right why is the ui have to be changed daily <laughs> yeah I, i'm still on pocket casts oh yeah so like it, and i just got an email from them that they were moving to another company oh god same company who owns uh wordpress i guess wow whoever that is yeah, so we'll see what that changes. okay seven and then oh yeah so there's the two on seven the red wheelbarrow Oh yeah, I was gonna say I did a show on uh, the Dream Snake the same week I did the edit for the Dream Snake uh, 
<laughs> Robert E. Howard versus awesome. um, quite different, quite different. Um, I got Eric to narrate that one, so we got the whole whole story in it. Um, he does nice. drop a few lines here and there, and he fucks up on the final sentence with the wrong word as well, which is uh, kind of annoying. And he didn't fix it, but whatever. Unbelievable! I will not allow I'll it. I'll just insert my own word. Thank you. Yeah. Nemesis. You'll, you'll hear him say that. That sounds good. Um, the Dream Snake, July 14th, day before my birthday. Here we go. Uh, I have two on July 14th that are approximately the right length. I'm guessing the first one is not the one we Actually, need. I'll probably do the. I'll do two episodes tomorrow night. I think it's the plan. All right. Do. I'll allow it. All right. <laughs> I mean. What other options Actually, do I, I need have? To get, I need to probably get... Um, so I'm going to be gone the week of August 9th. Actually, so that's still two weeks off. Where are you going? I've got one more edit session. Going to Chicago for a week with oh. my daughter. Oh, yeah, 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 trip. yeah. This is the... Right, yeah, I knew about this. Yeah, father-daughter trip. Nice. Yeah. I, I've never thought about going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, it's it's. I know a lot about it. I just never thought about going there. I thought about going to Washington D.C. to visit the Smithsonian. And, cool. And yeah, that's a, definitely uh, worth it. Sit on Lincoln's lap and and tell him how he was wrong about stuff. <laughs> I'm wondering now if I can get away with uh, going to Worldcon. Uh, extending your October to December. No. It, <laughs> I would go. October is on works time. Yeah. If I go um, in December, it'll be on mine, of course. Right. Con. I don't know. I'll be a little late. <laughs> Manage my classes for me, would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back yeah. next year. So it's on December fifteenth. That's very very inconvenient time. Why would they do that? It really is. Um, but they, they wanted it to be in person, so they pushed it to December. I see. It's normally in August. Oh, because they they want to keep it in the right year, but they can't guarantee. Right. Dot, dot, dot. Little do they know, COVID wave 12 hitting, mm-hmm. causing people to live out. You, by the way, we had a birthday party. Yeah, little do they know that uh, August was probably the perfect time to have it. <laughs> yeah. We had a birthday party outside yesterday. Nobody was wearing a mask most of, most of it. That's mm-hmm. a Dude, weird we are, phenomenon. We are 100% normal in Utah. There, wow. You wouldn't even know that there was anything suspicious going on. <laughs> um, seriously. Suspicious. Suspicious. Right? <laughs> you wouldn't know there's anything abnormal going on. That's, That's how cute. But That's suspicious cute. is how everybody feels like uh, everybody around here. There are, there are I'm people. Saying, I'm not going to say everybody. There are there people a, there who want the masks. There are people around here who believes everything is suspicious. There are people who want the masks forever. It's hard right. to understand that mindset. But uh-huh. I actually, what, what's funny is I understand it, but mm-hmm. like, like, um, I understand it, but it's fucking broken. Your brain mm-hmm. is broken if you think that that's a good idea. Yeah. But yeah. societies do live that way. That's Saudi Arabia, right? Masks sure. for women all the time. <laughs> yeah. You don't wear a mask inside at home. That's crazy. But you do wear mm-hmm. a mask outside. That's normal. And if you don't, oh my God, taboo, right? Yeah. 
Um, right. And the thing is, is the the we had it's um we have these contra instincts, right? There's a uh, an instinct to be um, generous, and there's an instinct to be uh, stingy. There's an mm-hmm. instinct to be um, a friendly, and an instinct, right? Um, I was talking to uh, uh online friend who was like really concerned that I didn't go over to Steen's house and force him to be my friend. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I've thought a lot about why he he did what he did, and um, I think that that would be a really bad idea. And one of the problems that Steen has that I don't have is he he'll, he'll let things fester for a long time, um, mm-hmm. and then and then react the way he did, right? Um, right. whereas you and me, if you're pissed off, eventually you will let it show and it won't be, you know, years, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> right? Cause you, yeah. you've got that, in, you've got uh, inside you, you've got a demon who will allow you to be strong and you've also got a, uh, a, you know, a, a regular person who is, you know, willing to be, um, go with the flow, right? Mm-hmm. And so wearing a mask, you know, you must wear a mask. And then, you know, six weeks before that, they were saying masks are no good. You don't need them. Right. So that if you are an obedient dog who does whatever the government says, you are utterly contemptible. Right. But sometimes what they say is a good idea. Most of the time, it probably isn't. But sometimes what they say. So the people who like put on that mask and want to live that way um you know it, it not all the women in Saudi Arabia think masks are a bad idea right in fact most of them probably don't right yeah so how did that come to be well mm-hmm. because people have conflicting ideas inside of them they want to be sexy and they also want to be modest how can you have those two things well you sort of have to n- negotiate dogs and cats they don't do this thing Right. This is a mm-hmm. people only thing. So those people, the the people who uh, unthinkingly uh, will just go one way and are always jealous, uh, never generous or never stingy. Right. There's something wrong or some sort of it's a, a, a lie that they're telling themselves. So um, mm-hmm. I was telling the, this guy, his name's Fred. He lives in Mexico, but he's works in the States. He's from the States. Um, he's got a Mexican family down there, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I said a funny line and I said, Oh, that sounds, I'm going to tweet that. The line was, um, in order to have an easy life, you have to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and that's kind of why I think Steen didn't, uh, you know, has re- reacted the way he did is, is he is way too soft, uh, when it comes to, you know, somebody says, will you do this for me? And he says, yes, mm-hmm. even if it's hard for him. Right, right, and that resentment builds up inside him. I know this because I, I, sp- I know him really well, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he, some homeless guy asks him for for money, right? And Steen gives him money, and then he looks down at the guy's uh, shoes, and he sees his shoes are worse than the homeless guy's. And then the homeless guy pulls out a a brand new iPhone, and he's like, "I have a shitty phone. <laughs> I just got mm-hmm. played, right?" Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. In order to be, have an easy life, you have to be hard. You have to sort of stand up sometimes. 
rather mm-hmm. and and he and he does. It's just it overplays, right? So yeah, yeah, it's his way of coping because I explained gotcha. I explained him working for his his cousin and stuff and how he hated his cousin. Um, his cousin didn't hate him, but he hated his cousin, and he and he he quit. And, you know, wouldn't take his phone calls. And then years later, he was working, for, or a couple years later or whatever, he's working for him again. And the same thing happened. You know, he hated mm-hmm. him. See, mm-hmm. Working for the money. Take vacation. Mm-hmm. Right? That sort of thing. Yeah. So. Well, dang. So that's still not prepared, I take it, is what you're saying. Indeed. Right? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Dang. And, you know, so I, you never did tell me exactly what happened. Is it, Honestly, is it just, I, uh, there was no thing. There was nothing. Okay. Uh, my my interpretation of my insight, and it's unbacked up by outer confirmed. You know, it's an untested hypothesis, but it fits the facts. Is mm-hmm. that it has less to do with me than it has to do with uh, the package of me and my mm-hmm. mom. He's working for my mom. My mom is a lot like me. She's very pushy, and Steen mm-hmm. is not. His mom is also very pushy, but that's his mom. And his mom is very jealous. Like, mm-hmm. any time spent at, a, at my mom's house is jealous time. And so mm-hmm. he had two kinds of pressures. One is my mom saying, you should go to the doctor. <laughs> and him like, I don't want to go to the doctor. Don't tell me what to do. But he doesn't say those words, Right. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesse would say, but or he would find a w- joke way out of it. But Steen didn't have those coping mechanisms, and so he takes them in and and, <clears throat> and it hurts him. And then uh, you know, and she's his he's an employer, but also they had a relationship where they were friends. But the problem is that's a dangerous combination, right? Especially when one of them is pushing, one isn't, and mm-hmm. you know, and then. So, like, I, uh, looking back, I can see Steen trying to, trying to make it so that I wouldn't have to rely on him for my website, right? Mm-hmm. Now, why is he doing that? He's trying to help me, right? Um, right. But he's also trying to avoid the, um, the interaction because I'm, I'm a package with my mom. Uh-huh. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not, but, uh, you know, I also say, hey, let's do this. And, you know... He has to do what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not gotcha. because I, I physically force him, but because I, I am saying it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, right, right. And the thing is, is he didn't just cut off me and my mom. Anybody who, like, you, you haven't heard from him, right? No, I haven't. And I've, I've, like, left a Skype note or two. Yeah. You know, and, not, and, not, and in he's any, not, uh, it was yeah. just like, yep. Hey. So a comment or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is, um, he's not good with, he was never good with communication in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, uh, he may be better on email, but like, he's not good at Skype messages and stuff. But part of that is his way of avoiding, you know, having to deal with other people. Uh huh. Um, and part of that is just, you know, so like me sending him a Discord message because he doesn't use Skype anymore, it seems. Um, okay. I can see him playing, playing PUBG, um, and mm-hmm. I had a problem the other day where the thing says, you have to check the notes, and I'm like, I don't have access to that. It mm-hmm. resolved itself, but, yeah, ultimately, it has, I think, 
less to do with me as a person having insulted him greatly in any way. I don't think there was any. Because nothing mm-hmm. really had happened. But That's basically, um, COVID allowed him to not have to um, work for my mom. There's no financial mm-hmm. requirement because, uh, you know, and he had um, had an had some sort of uh, car accident or something that had hurt him physically mm-hmm. um, prior. But mm-hmm. he was setting things up so that um, I wouldn't have, like, he kept talking about trying to finish some, some project he was working on for the website. And uh, I think he fe- felt it was finished enough. I mean, it seems to be. But uh, I, I was talking to Fred about this because we play games with him, right? He was his friend too, right? So he's kind mm-hmm. he doesn't play with any of the people we used to play with. And the reason you do that is because you don't want to have any... You're, you're cutting everything off, which is scary. Mm, gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah, sad story for sure. Yeah, in fact, I just opened Discord for the first time in months. Looking at it, there's a bunch of people on um, BookTube that are on here. Yeah, um, people are always open in Discord. Do you do your thing here anymore? Um, I, I turn it on right now. It's like uh, <laughs> it goes on pretty fast, so that it's in in some ways it's much better than Skype. Um, uh-huh. but. It's more for hanging out and talking to people rather than recording, I think. Okay. But I also haven't used those aspects. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it's very social media compared to yeah. um, to uh, Skype, I think. Skype is sort of old-fashioned. For sure. <laughs> Which is why I like it. I don't want all those social media <laughs> aspects. Keep them separate. Why would I do mm-hmm. my social media on Discord? Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the, the, their systems are probably better. Yeah, probably. I think it didn't it get bought by Microsoft recently. I think it did. Discord? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, did. I got a class in fifteen minutes. All right. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Enjoy your class. You yeah. Better. When's the next one? Take care. That you're on. Uh, I've got a few weeks till Inside Earth. Okay, good. Got to find that. Is that? I'll dig I mean, it out. As far as uh, I'm sure, there's an audio of it. But yeah, there I is. I wonder where I can find a regular copy. Uh, paper paper copy or audiobook yeah. copy? Yeah. Or I imagine it's available. Do you have a PDF of it? I do not have a. P- uh, I can look and see if there is one, but I do not have one. Yeah, you don't need to do it right now. Okay. This is not not an emergency. Okay. That's all. That's weeks away. So. Weeks away. Very good. Thank you, sir. All right. You bet. Have a good one. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> it's just admitting it now. <laughs> All right. So that, we've got one recorder going on my end. I'm Scott's recording. Gone. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to just uh, bring up the uh, Wikipedia entry. I don't think there is one for this book, but there is one for the series. Magic goes away. All right, here we go. So, Jesse, uh, Paul, Scott, Trish, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Here we go. No keyboard, Paul. Put that keyboard away. <laughs> here we go. We got we get a membrane key. Uh, yeah, that keyboard is not approved. <laughs> here we go. I've been canceled. No, just your keyboard. Uh, <laughs>